Blog Talk Radio. It's time to strap our boots on. This is a perfect day to die. Wipe the blood out of our eyes. In this life, there's no surrender. There's nothing left for us to do Find the strength to see this through We are the ones who will never be broken With our final breath We'll fight to the death We are soldiers We are soldiers Hello folks and thank you once again for coming to Bard's Logic Political Talk, part of the Conservative Conversation, and also part of the Patriot Journalist Network. And you can find the Patriot Journalist Network by going to www.patriotjournalist.com. Tonight we have a special guest, uh, which is running for the U.S. Senate from Nebraska, uh, Jack Heidel. And we'll be having him on shortly. I do see you on the line. We'll uh, get you in. In a few moments, uh, as part of our series uh, for the 2018 primary uh, election, uh, be looking forward to those. We have some other folks uh, upcoming, but we've got an hour or so. Hopefully, it gets better longer, but uh, we do have our guests on, and I do see folks already in the call waiting to chime in to ask our guests some questions. But first, let's go ahead and welcome uh, Jack. Thank you very much, Jack, for coming to the show. How are you tonight? Yeah, I'm great. Uh, can you hear me Okay. Yes, I can hear you good. Uh, you're calling in on your landline? Right, right. Uh-huh. Yeah, and by the way. Okay, good, hi, good. My, yeah, my, my name is Heidel. Uh, my last name is Heidel. Heidel. Like, like Heidelberg. Yeah, yes, uh-huh. Like Heidelberg. You know what? You did right, email right. that to me, and I apologize. I apologize uh-huh. trying to put a little bit of an Ohio inflection on it. I'm just right. kidding. No, but right, right. <laughs> you're right, like Heidelberg. I should right. know being uh, uh, the beer drinker that I am. Uh, but let's let's go ahead and get right to it because we got a lot to to go over this evening, and I know there's uh, folks out there who would like to uh, chime in as well. Now, this actually is the first thing, uh, and we'll just get this out of the way. Uh, it's actually one of the topics that uh, one of your opponents I spoke with uh, is actually in, in disagreement with you, and that's uh, in the uh, case of global warming. Now, through my understanding, I just going off your your website, and you know the things I've read is. I uh, believe that there's, uh, there is evidence uh, of man-made global warming, and uh, a couple of my uh, questions uh, revolve around your support of a carbon tax. Uh-huh. And so sure. how, would you respond, uh, go ahead. how would you respond to someone who contends that carbon taxes, uh, such as the uh, te- uh, cap-and-trade that was suggested, um, how that actually would help to uh, help the environment when, you know, just giving people the, the you know, the want to, not the want, but the ability to pollute, and that that'll be the first uh, part of the at least uh, the global warming or what they're calling it now, uh, climate change. Uh, well, okay. I mean, first of all, the evidence is very strong for for global warming. I mean, I mean, if if, if we need to talk about that, I mean, the, the Arctic sea ice is retreating uh, during the summer. The oceans are getting warmer and more acidic. The uh, sea level is rising at the rate of about uh, one foot per century, I mean, that's, that's an inch every eight years, that, that may not seem like a lot, but, you know, it will be. 
uh, eventually uh, a lot. And, and most people, I mean, in fact, the, most of the world's largest cities are on the coast, and so they are, they are going to experience that, uh, you know, rise in sea level. Um, and, and, you know, and it, it might increase, too. I mean, as, as the... Uh, if carbon emissions increase, continue to increase, then the uh, sea level may rise more, more quickly. But any, anyway, so to me, in my uh, opinion, I mean, you know, which is based on scientific evidence, the the uh, the, the evidence is overwhelming uh, that, that uh, global warming is, is occurring. So now, as far as the, you know, what what we should do about it, um, renewable energy is fine. You know, carbon and I mean, um, solar and and uh, wind and so on. I mean, let's promote and use, uh, you know, um, renewable energy for sure. But we probably, it's unlikely that we're going to get away from fossil fuels. I mean, it, it, it's just uh, um, for, for lots of reasons. I mean, right, the, the uh, renewables, I think roughly worldwide, renewables may make up as much as 10% of our energy, so uh, certainly less than that in, in the U.S., so we're not going to get away from fossil fuel. We, we we need to continue to use them. So what is the best way to to regulate it? You know, I think let the free market do it. The idea of a carbon tax is to make use of the free market. Um, and and uh, uh, well, I mean, put a price on on carbon emission, and and then let the free market figure out the best way to you know to um, respond. You know, for example, the coal energy. Would have a, then have a huge incentive to develop the, uh, new technology called uh, carbon capture and storage, wh where you you know you actually remove the carbon from the emissions and, and uh, you know put them underground or, or, or wherever, and and uh, that that would reduce carbon emissions, of course. And, and there is technology to do it. It's it's new and you know and, and scrubbers and such. Mm -hmm. Excuse me. I said scrubbers and such. I'm familiar with the technology. Yeah, sure, sure. So, so uh, it, it simply creates a market. It lets the market figure things out rather than have you know a, a clean power plan and uh, car uh, you know gas emissions, uh, auto gas emission standards, and and, and so on, uh, which are arbitrary and ad hoc. Uh, just let 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 the market figure out the best way to um, you know. Um, to lower the carbon emissions. I mean, you know, carbon carbon is the problem. I mean, that's we're accepting that fact. I mean, I am certainly, and most people are, I think. And so let's 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 uh, mitigate that and lessen the carbon emissions uh, in the most efficient way that we can, and, and put a carbon tax. Now, by the way, I want to emphasize that the carbon tax would be revenue neutral, and, and would be, we'd figure out some way. And I'm not I'm not supporting any particular way of of reducing um, or um, of making the carbon tax um, revenue neutral, but one way to do it would be to um, uh, lower the uh, the payroll tax by an equivalent amount. I mean, that's just one way, one possible way to do it. I mean, it, it could be, uh, you know, somehow or other, the funds raised by the carbon tax would be returned to to the economy or to the people. I mean, really, one way or another, and and, and that can be figured out as, as the best way to do it. And, um, but so it'd be revenue neutral. And it's simply a way of regulating the the most efficient way, the free market way of regulating the carbon emissions, of redu reducing carbon emissions. So that's the idea. And that's actually something uh, you know I haven't quite. I, I frankly I've never heard of you know 
you've heard I've heard of the carbon tax of course uh before of course, but I have not heard of you know making it revenue neutral and especially in the way that you just you know said uh whereas you know you would lower uh you know some kind of other tax in order to compensate for it so yeah that, I mean not that because I do consider myself an environmentalist you know I do uh-huh. like the idea of renewable energies things of that nature uh I don't know if I particularly subscribe to uh, the the global climate change, global warming, you know, stuff. Because I mean, I've seen where certain certain uh, labs around the country that monitor the weather, and you know, not just around the country, from my understanding, even around the world, where the the ones that don't support you know evidence to show that there's any kind of global warming or uh, climate change, those have been shut down uh, because they're they're actually, you know, I've had discussions and articles on that uh but we're not going to you know belabor the point but we're, we're kind of wanting to get a flavor of of what your stances are in the different issues before we bring some other folks in um and now one of the things that people know the last word on that is uh, at least unless someone else uh, later on the show wants to, to bring it up or, or question or get more elaboration on it is that one of the things that people are concerned with is having a carbon tax you know they really want to what the end game is is one of them at least is they really want to Car, you know, carbon, ta- not just carbon, but carbon dioxide. Well, what do we breathe out? If you start, you know, taxing people <laughs> based on, you know, carbon dioxide, eventually there's people concerned about whether they're going to start taxing, you know, the air we exhale. Uh, but anyway, that you know, that that is a concern with some folks. But I think just, you know, mitigating, you know, carbon and, and having the revenue neutral, as you say, that I think that's yeah, actually it sounds like a, a good idea. But let's go ahead and move on to the next, uh, you know, topic here. We're just going to kind of run through these because I want to be able to get, you know, other folks in with their questions and things of that nature. Uh, is that uh, President Trump's cornerstone of his election uh, rested a lot on his stance on immigration. Uh, if you were to become a you know, senator of, in Nebraska, how would you, uh, you know, how would you help his agenda? And a couple other questions uh, piggybacking on that. I mean, do you agree with getting rid of chain migration and the lottery system? Well, certainly, yeah, chain migration uh, or immigration, uh, I certainly agree with that. Uh, see, I, I think it should be based on economics. And, and um, we, you know, the employment, unemployment rate is low uh, in general in the country, 4.1%. It's especially low in Nebraska. It's 2.7%, the unemployment rate. So what that means is that Nebraska, in particular, has a huge labor shortage and uh we, we in Nebraska make strong use of immigrant labor in agriculture, um, meatpacking, and um, construction crews. Um, and we, we simply need uh, – there's a huge labor shortage. I mean, the, the, uh, the economy, the Nebraska economy, would be hurt very bad, badly. If, you know, there's, it's estimated that there are 30,000 uh, 30, uh, illegal immigrants in, in Nebraska. I mean, that's the best figure I have. I mean, that's you know, probably approximately correct. If they were rounded up and deported, it would be a huge hit to the Nebraska economy. We need them. I mean, you know, we have such a severe labor shortage. So what I think should be done, you know, on the immigration question is to base it on economics and, in other words, base it on providing employers with the workers they need, to, you know, to, to, to get their – to conduct their business. And um, it, it's um, – you know, we, we simply – well, we need a a sensible guest worker visa program. In my opinion, that that's. I mean, I'm talking about overall immigration reform now, and, and then you know there's other there's pieces of this, but thinking of 
how we should do overall immigration reform with a sensible guest worker visa program, you know, so that um, companies would then be able to bring in, I mean, maybe they're already here or or not, but they they would be able to acquire the employees they need legally. You know, they would have legal status with a a guest worker visa. And, And then once once we arrange you know, such a system so that employers have the workers and can acquire the workers they need, then we can enforce, e-verify, you know, the uh, the uh, way that um, to to to, to uh, make sure that the employees are are legal and so on. Uh, the e-verify system and, and of course border security. Uh, it may, may enhance border. Sec- I'm totally in favor of border security. We we want we want to minimize cut back way back on illegal immigrants, but do it in such a way that we don't um, you know harm our, our economy. We we don't we, we don't we 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 need to bring in provide the, the labor for the the businesses who, who you know for when there's a labor shortage and there certainly is a huge one in Nebraska and other parts of the country too, and at least in other ways. So in other words, base immigration reform on economics of providing the workers that that businesses need. Okay, so that that's my general stance on immigration. Now, chain uh, immigration, uh, you know, that, that doesn't uh, – I, I would certainly cut that back for, for sure. And the lottery system, uh, you know, I don't really have a strong opinion on, on that. Um, uh, you know, the, the countries, um, I, I, I guess uh, – you know, as I understand, it, each country has a quota, and, and the, um, maybe maybe that should be done uh, on some other basis. Then, you know, they have to be, they should be qualified to, to to contribute to the economy. And those amongst those who are qualified, maybe you know, a lottery is is the, the fairest way to do it, but not just an arbitrary lottery. We we, we want qualified immigrants, you know, who have something to contribute, uh, who are educated and and, and so on, and, and especially the, the high skill uh, people uh, should be given preference. So. That, that's my general stance on immigration. And, you know, we definitely can go many, many uh, times longer on that. And we may, you know, as I said, uh, someone else wanted to bring in some more elaboration uh, later on uh, in the show. Uh, but we'll go to uh, the next one, you know, kind of a set of rapid fire here. Is that, you know, now it appears you're strongly against, at least through what I've read, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, the, the new tax law. Uh, what problems do you have with it? And if you were a senator, what changes would you have made, or what if you would have or proposed at least? Well, it needs to be revenue neutral. In fact, I'm glad you mentioned you raised this question because this is why I'm I'm running. I'm I'm running because our our, our national debt is out of control, and, and this is why I'm in the race. Um, and you know, there's all these other issues, that, you know, global uh, global warming and immigration, and there'll be others and so on. But why I'm running. It's because the national debt is so huge and, and out of control, and the Republicans are making it worse. I mean, that, that's uh, you know, I'm a fiscal conservative, and, and uh, I want I want economic growth, and you know, I, I want a balanced budget, and especially when our budget is so bad. I mean, we have a, the, the debt is twenty over twenty trillion, and growing rapidly. You know, already last year our, our deficit was over six hundred billion dollars, and this year it's going to be seven or eight hundred billion. Next year, um, you know, a trillion or more, and, and so our deficits are increasing, and, and we, we need to be shrinking our deficits. The only way we're going to we're going to get our debt under control is to be shrinking our annual deficit, you know, down 
you know, as close to zero as possible. They don't, they don't have to be exactly zero, but they're way, way, way too high, and they're going the wrong direction. And that, that's, we need to be shrinking them, not, not increasing them, as, it's, as what, that's what's happening now. So anyway, the Republicans are, are, are not doing that. And, and, you know, cutting taxes the last year and, and now, you know, raising spending with the new budget bill is, is adding tremendously to the annual deficits. And we, we're going exactly the wrong direction. For, for last fall... You know, there were 52 Republican senators. There's 51 now. So what that means is that three of them um, it could have insisted. I mean, they could have voted against the tax bill as formulated, as I would have done. Or what is more likely to have happened is that they could have insisted on revenue neutrality for the tax bill. And then additional, uh, you know, offsets would have been made. And by the way, the provisions of the tax bill are fine. I mean, you know, lowering the corporate tax rate. Uh, immediate expensing for uh, ex- immediate expensing for uh, you know new investment and things like that. Those are great ideas, but they need to be revenue neutral. And there are offsets that could have been made, uh, you know, to bring in more revenue, to um, make the the uh, tax cut or the tax reform, the tax bill, revenue neutral. And after taking growth, that's fine to take growth into account. You know, you know, the the, the tax there was a, a one and a half trillion in tax cuts. A, a half a trillion in growth, and, and I think the experts, you know, know something. I mean, the, the Joint Committee on Taxation and the Congressional Budget Office, and so on, that said, well, okay, there'll be a, a half a trillion uh, uh, dollars in new growth over the next ten years from the uh, tax reform, uh, and and yes, okay, and, but that leaves a trillion that's not covered. So we're adding a trillion to the debt, and then of course we're adding even more with the, uh, you know, the budget bill. Um, you know, this uh, just uh, either this month or, or last month, in the last few weeks, the, the new budget bill rate increased spending as well. So anyway, those are two, you know, t- cutting taxes and raising spending. It's crazy. It's fiscally, ir- it's irresponsible, and th- that's why I'm I'm running. I mean, um, the um, uh, one of those 52 senators is, is Deb Fisher from Nebraska, and she's up for re-election, and that's why I'm running in the Republican primary because because. I consider her to be fiscally irresponsible, and she's ignoring our debt. And our, our debt is awful, it's out of control, and it's, it's unsustainable. I mean, uh, um, and it, it's just that—that's why I'm running. You know, um, um, you know, if if she had voted against the tax bill, or if it had not passed, I would not be in the race. But she, she you know, she, she did, and it passed, and so I, I am in the race because that, you know, that that's. That's the that's the reason. So um, you know, the, 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 our, our out of control debt is uh, why I'm in the race. And, and some are you know saying, well, we'll never have you know no one will ever expect us to pay that back, yada yada. And that's definitely a, a topic, you know, a night of its own. Uh, but I do have a couple more questions before I go ahead and bring uh, the other you know bring the other folks in because I do uh, right. want to come in. So just remember, folks, push one on your number dial uh, when you want you know, and I'll, I'll make sure. You know, get you into the show now. I know that's you, you know your biggest topic, but you also you know do have a platform. You do also have ideas for other topics such as healthcare, and uh, one of the things you proposed was having an age-based tax credits in regards to healthcare. Uh, could you uh, spend a little bit of time with describing how an age-based tax credit uh, would work, and uh, do you advocate for people to move away from? 
or move out of employee-sponsored health care? So, right, uh, right, healthcare? right. So, I mean, obviously, that can't be done for the time. So we have to change the law. But, yeah, I mean, so modify it. Either modify or or just uh, abolish the I mean, abolishing the employer mandate would do it, or modifying it so that uh, employees c- could move, could migrate to personal insurance using, uh, in, in, instead of income-based. Right now, under Obamacare, we have income-based uh, tax credits. So let's just change to age-based, so that which would in, then include everyone. And uh, um, and so we would. It, it, it's employer-based health care, which, which is the fundamental problem, the fundamental reason why our, health, our the cost of health of American health care is so high, is the um, employer-provided um, health care because, because um, um, employees have no incentive to to pay attention to the cost, and, and, and um, you know people have to have more skin in the game, pay more attention to the cost of health care, and that's the fundamental reason why our, our health care uh, is, is so expensive. And so, um, and and the employer, uh, you know, provided healthcare is, is the cause of that. I mean, in other words, it's 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 free. I mean, our, I mean you know, uh, our healthcare it's not really free, but I mean, in a sense, it appears to be free. The empo- employer is paying for it. You know, we have d- deductibles and um, you know, and, and um, so on as part of the plan. But it's it's um, it's holding down. It's 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 keeping us personally from from being aware of and paying attention to the, the cost of health care. So moving away from employer-provided health care is, is the fundamental thing we need to do. I don't think we can – we can't – well, uh, Real quick, i got, I got to interject here real quick. Uh, yeah. But what do you tell the folks – because I know people, and, it, and to be honest, it's personally benefited me, who pay $22 a week and have really good health care, $22 a week out you know, for two people um, – and like for instance, my daughter, you know, you know, was on this plan uh, about three years ago. Was in the hospital for I think ten to twelve days, and I seen just one check that the insurance company wrote uh, to pay for the doctor bills was a fifty-six thousand dollar check, fifty-four yeah, well, fifty-six thousand well, dollar check. Well, I'm thinking, you... okay, uh, that would have uh, that would have buried you know, that would have buried me. I mean, I was oh, yeah. when, when she went to the hospital. I was scared to death. Like, oh my gosh, is this gonna is this gonna bankrupt me? Is this gonna yeah, okay, sink me? Her what? being in the in the right. and then she had three months worth of you know therapy she had to do. Right. Well, I, I you know I'm not an insurance expert, and twenty two dollars a week. I mean, that's eighty eight dollars a month. That's less than a hundred dollars a month. That's an incredibly good price for health insurance. I, you know, I just you know, I can't. You know, personally, I know it's um, a great. <laughs> yeah, but it, 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 was that through an an employer based plan or something or, or what? I mean, I don't. Um, no, that is a, yeah. It's an employer. Yeah, it's an employer based plan. It's an employee based plan. Plan. Yeah, yeah, out. yeah. Well, okay. I mean, that that's just uh, you know that's just it sounds to me like an incredible. I just can't imagine a deal like that for um uh, uh, and, and I, and I, most people are you know are paying far more. The employer is paying an enormous amount of money. You know for for healthcare, um, for per person or per family, and and, uh, um, you know, and so we, we, I mean, the country would save money because we we see the employer employer based care. There's a a, you know a tax uh, exclusion. You know, it's it's not taxed for the employer contribution to healthcare by the federal government. So that's a huge cost, two or three hundred billion dollars a year, you know, in lost tax revenue, and and so we would 
the government. That would be new revenue. But, in, of course, in exchange, then the, the employee would, would, and family would get an age-based uh, uh, tax credit. You know, that would be cost less overall. It, it, you know, if you, if you look at my, on, on my website, the American Healthcare Reform, I mean, it goes into the details of how that works out. Um, but um, so that, that's the idea is to move away from employer-based health care. Well, I, 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 I had, you know, I like a lot of what you're saying, but for, for that, I, I, want, I mean, I'm sure it's selfish reasons, but I, I want to keep employer-based health care. I mean, I, I've been working since I was 14, and I've always appreciated having the option of having employee-sponsored health care for the convenience of, and at least for this, you know, for the price. You know, with what's sure. being paid, I know. I mean, no, I know it's, it's better than it's better than a lot, but it, it's an op, an option. I think that when you're looking for a place to work, you know, when people look for a place to work, I mean, they, that's one of the things they look at to decide on what. And and I think oh, that brings competition. Of course, you know, because no, you, you, when you're looking for a company to where you're going to work, you know, you you want to get good people in the company who offer you know good uh, compensation package, including health care. And so, you know, when you're looking for a company to work for, I mean, that that's going to give competition. Um, but I want to go ahead and bring over to – because I only got a couple more questions here that I want to ask before we get to uh, the callers. Uh, sure. And one of the things – and we may talk more about this later tonight. It was, you know, if our, our friend Kelly comes on, but he may miss this, this segment because I don't see him on yet. But um, uh, I think – and this is about, you know, your balanced budget amendment. And uh, folks oh. can find a lot of these. Uh, things, but but one of the things you bring up is a constitutional convention, and right. there's a lot of folks who are actually concerned with having one of those, just because all the different implications, other implications other than a balanced budget amendment that could come from uh, a constitutional convention. I mean, are you not concerned that you know things could go awry in one of those conventions, or the dangers of those? Oh, ab- absolutely. No, no, I think you're right. I mean, in fact, the, the many there there are conservative many conservatives who don't want a constitutional convention because they, they think it will, uh, be, you know, it'll, get, it'll run away. And, and um, um, so, I, you know, I fully understand the, the danger. And, you know, anything, there are people who say, well, it can't be limited. Well, I, I think, that for, you know, I would insist that it be limited. I mean, for example, a balanced budget amendment or term limits, for example, are two of the popular topics. I would want it to be completely limited um, and uh, in particular, particular for me, the balanced budget amendment would be, you know, is what we need. So, um, but if if it's limited, I mean, I mean, in other words, if the see, okay, for balanced budget amendment, twenty eight states actually have called. By you may or may not know, twenty eight states have actually called for a constitutional convention to propose mm-hmm. a balanced yeah. budget. And so, we only need thirty four. I mean, thirty. We need two thirds. Which is 34, and then of course, if a, if an amendment is proposed, then it takes three fourths of the states, i.e., 38, would have to ratify it. But so 28 states have called for a for a balanced budget amendment, uh, and, and so you know six more, and Congress will have to call the convention. You know, it's in the Constitution, Article Five. So anyway, I think that about you know if 20 of uh, 34 states, there's 28 already called for for a balanced budget amendment, that I'm not worried. That it would be a runaway convention because, I mean, after all, there, each state would have a representative, and um, uh, you know, if 28 or 30, 34 actually want it for just one purpose, they would be able to ensure that that's all that 
you know, that, that's the only thing that was dealt with. It was limited to, to that topic. And so as long as it's limited to a particular topic, such as the balanced budget amendment, I think it's okay. Now, just the convention of states in general, you know, if you talk about you want a, uh, you want a constitutional convention to, to work out a plan to limit government powers or to go back to the original constitution, all that kind of thing, that's too vague. And, and that could end up being that could end up being a runaway convention, but limited to a balanced budget amendment. I, I I'm willing to take that chance because of, the, of our, how bad our budget. I mean, how bad our debt is. I mean, that's the, of course the whole point of a balanced budget amendment is to get our debt under control, and and that that's our biggest long range problem. I mean, there's always problems you know come up, and there's emergencies and all sorts of things that have to be considered and dealt with but the balance our out of our out of control debt is our biggest problem and the balanced budget amendment would deal with that problem i mean it's designed for that purpose just that purpose and so um i think it's a good idea i do support a constitutional uh, convention uh, for that one purpose yes and, and last question and then uh we're, we're going to bring in the callers uh and then, yes this is, this is my last question there and then I'll uh-huh. bring folks in. And we're going to bring in, in, in the order of you, of you calling in and, and try, wanting to chime in. Uh, so what, what would you say sets you apart uh, from your opponents? And, and give me a few comparisons between yourself. And you already did Deb Fisher, but perhaps uh, Todd Watson as well. Uh, well what, what sets me apart from him? Is that what you asked? From, the, the, yeah, the other candidates. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah. Well, my, my focus on, on our debt problem, I mean, to me, you know, for example, he, he supports the uh, the tax cuts, uh, and I support the idea. Of, I mean, the specific the provisions in the, the new tax plan, but the uh, the tax bill. But I'm opposed to it in the form that it was passed because it adds to the debt. And, and so my complete focus on the debt issue is what what I mean. That's what probably said what separates me certainly from the incumbent. Deb Fisher and I, I, I suspect also Todd Watson, um, because you, you know um, they say, well, they're concerned about the debt, but it's not, it's not, it's, you know, it's just one of many things that they're, in, they're concerned about. And I am focused on on the debt issue, so um, that, that's what separates me from from uh, Mr. Watson and from uh, you know Deb Fisher as well. Okay, at this time I'll get ready to bring folks in. Uh, but first, let's hear from our friends at the Patriot Journalist Network. You're not just listening to a show. You're part of the powerful voice of the conservative conversation on Blog Talk Radio. Nothing worthwhile has ever been accomplished without teamwork. PJNet invites you to help make a difference by adding your voice to the team, grassroots, conservatives working together to take our country back. To find out more, Check out the PJNet hashtag and visit our website at PatriotJournalist.com. Let PJNet add our muscle to your hustle. And definitely, folks, check out the Patriot Journalist Network, especially if you're a Twitter user, at www.PatriotJournalist.com. And also check out the website here at www.BardsLogicPoliticalTalk.com. And, of course, uh, also uh, you'll find some some articles at www.thetrumptimes.com. Don't forget the the, or it'll send you somewhere different. Thetrumptimes.com. And so let's go ahead, and we're going to start by bringing in Joseph. Joseph is calling from uh, Hawaii. 
So let's go ahead and uh, and then we've got uh, Linda on the line and then Dr. Tolbert. And then uh, we may have Cindy and Kelly on the line as well. Push the one on your number dials when you're ready to come in. Uh, but first, let's go ahead and, again, uh, Joseph from Hawaii. Thank you very much for coming to the show. How are you tonight? Uh, great, Robert. How about you? Doing well. Doing well. Thank you. Thank you. Um, Mr. Heidel, uh-huh. is that correct? Yes. Yes. First of all, I want to thank you for uh, coming on the uh, the show because uh, I think it's very important for politicians who are running to uh, be able to, um, you know, um, articulate their uh, economic and social platform to uh, as many venues as possible. And uh, so I I commend you for taking the time to come on on the show and do that. Um, I I completely agree with you in in the regards that uh, the establishment Republicans are not getting much done, and um, I, I tend to um, view myself or consider myself a social conservative, as do you. And um, I tend to, uh, I still believe that the fiscal issues are more important to tackle. And I like uh, your uh, fiscal platform. Um, I'm not 100% on board with the uh, climate change or the um, the part where you would want to eliminate the option for, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, employer-based health insurance. Um, yeah. Well, okay. Actually, see, I would I would modify it um, and just let employees move away from um, uh, employer move move towards a, away from the employer plan to a personal uh, you know plan um, for their own health insurance. But but let the we would it wouldn't eliminate um, uh, employer-based insurance. I mean, we, we might eliminate the, the mandate, but but not um, you know the, the uh, <laughs> it would still be available. You know, employers can can still offer it as an incentive to to uh, you know for, to attract employees, um, but allowing imp- individual employees to migrate away from it because it, it will they, they will end up they will then be free from. You know, being uh, attached to a particular employer's plan, that they will they'll have more individual freedom, and um, it may even save them money. In other words, even though above them, over less, you know, compared with what they are paying under the employer's plan, they might end up actually paying less. I mean, and that would be the reason for for going moving away from the employer plan. You know, with age-based tax credits, end up paying less. Than than they would pay under the employer plan, so it, it provides them more freedom and gets them gets them away from being tied to a particular employer's plan. Uh, you know, it's just greater uh, personal uh, flexibility then. So I'm not, you know, the employers can still offer it, but it's it, it's a way of, of of I think we need to, we need to move away from it, providing this opportunity to move away from it because we, again, it is the primary reason why. American healthcare is so expensive, and which is, and then when you throw in Medicare and Medicaid, healthcare overall, then um, this is dry, this is the fund, one of the fundamental things, maybe the fundamental thing driving our, our debt, and, and it's going to, you know, it's going to increase deficits, and therefore the debt, uh, you know, going, it's not sustainable. I mean, we have to, if we're going to get our debt under control, we have to get the cost of American health care under control, and this is a way to do that. So, I mean, we, we simply have to deal with the cost of health care. And I like that. I like that you're giving, uh, you're presenting it as an option. Uh-huh. Um, 
be honest, I'm, I'm not worried about the uh, global warming stance because I, I think uh, I'm more in tune to candidates who are um, more uh, in tune to uh, being a fiscal conservative, more uh, I'm, I'm looking to uh, have the hopes of have a, a more elected officials this year come into office who are more focused on, on the fiscal uh, side of right. things versus on the social side of things. Right. Because well, I think exactly that's me. important to tackle. And right. uh, I, like, I like that you are against chain migration. Uh, one thing I, I, I do agree with uh, is, and one thing I wanted to ask you is, what are your views on the student visa program? Because what I've always, uh, my main complaint about that for years is we bring over the brightest minds who bring unique talents from different countries and they come here the legal way on student visas. And then when they're done and they receive their education here, we send them back. To me, that, that, that's complete lunacy. Yeah, it's I, like I, we no. give them free education, uh, and, and, but we don't allow them to stay here and prosper. So uh, I, I kind of don't get what, what the point of that is anymore. And um, A, I wanted to know what are your views on that pertaining to that. And no, I, B, yeah, okay. my last question is kind of like a two-part question, uh, is if elected, how would you deal with uh, the Republican establishment being that it is the majority uh, vote uh, within the party, and um, how would you deal with, um, you know, the likes of uh, Mitch McConnell and, and John McCain and, and other people who've been in power for 30 years who uh, the reason why a lot of key legislation can't be passed is because you have those five or six lone senators such as Ted Cruz and, and Mike Lee and Rand Paul, but they're just not enough to... Um, you know, stand up against the establishment, you know, even if they try because of the numbers game. Yeah, and well, I, I, I view you as a candidate who truly wants to bring change on the fiscal side, and I also believe that to be true of Rand Paul, Ted Cruz, and Mike Lee. Absolutely. So what is your strategy for that? Okay, well, in, in terms of the student um, thesis, I, I would, I, I agree with the people who say, you know, especially in certain fields, the high, you know, in technical fields, the high, high need fields, Attach, attach a green card to their uh, diploma. You know, in other words, or you know, or a H-1B visa or something to their diploma. You know, if they graduate and they're in a high needs tech field, you know, we just they're they're invited to stay. I mean, you know, so that you know that's what I would do. Um, you know, that's that's just a vague. You know, um, I I haven't looked at the details of that, but I mean, just as a concept, I think we should we should do that. Okay, in terms of the establishment. Um, you know, I'm a, I'm a retired uh, math professor at the University of Nebraska Omaha, um, and I'm not looking, you know, to establish a, a long-term career, uh, you know, in politics. And you know, the Senate is a six-year term. If I, you know, I would not worry, be worried about reelection. What what can the establishment do? Look, the, the establishment can be bucked, and it could have been bucked with the tax bill. If three senators, there were 52 Republicans last fall. Um, if th- three senators could have in, could have insisted on and therefore brought about a change, and none, 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 none of them did, but but it would have only taken three. And, and you know, Bob Corker from Tennessee said he was going to vote against it, and then he didn't. I, I don't know why Rand Paul supported it because 
you know, I thought he was a fiscal, he, you know, he is a fiscal conservative. Yeah. He's <laughs> concerned uh, about the debt. But, you know, so just three, I mean, it, it would only have taken three to change it. And I just, I was, I was just flabbergasted that there weren't any opposing it in the end, whereas three of them could have insisted on change. And, you know, and without getting into who should have been doing that, I think, you know, several of them, I mean, lots of them should have been doing it, and, and they could have done it, and they could have. See, it creates a moral, you know, for the Republicans to, to be, say, they're fiscal conservatives and they're concerned about the debt and so on and so forth, and then to raise it. it, it, it how are you going to... How are you going to reduce? How are you going to vote to reduce the debt or reduce deficits when you've just voted to increase the deficit? You, you know, uh, how are you going to have, have the moral uh, standing to insist on on trimming uh, the deficit when you've just voted to increase it? It's crazy. You you lose your 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 moral um, persuasion to to accomplish that, and, and so uh, that that's the problem. The Republicans are have made a huge mistake in, in terms of you know. Of building up this unsustainable debt, but because they've lost, to some extent, lost their ability to make it a, a, to make a moral case for for shrinking the the debt. I mean, so, um, you know, what, what can they, what can they, what can the establishment do? They can, I mean, they can, they can, you know, criticize you like mad, and you know, and the president can tweet about you and all that kind of stuff. But I mean, you know, if you have a little integrity. And you know what you you know is right. You know what you believe, and you know why you're there. Then just vote vote your conscience, and you know, and don't worry. I mean, especially if you know if, if you don't if you're not worried about your further, your future career as a politician. There's you know it shouldn't be that much of a problem to um, to stand up to the establishment. I, I like that. Vote your conscience. I yeah. remember Ted Cruz saying that on the floor of the Republican convention, and I really believe in that. Sir, I want to thank you so much for coming on this show. And if elected, I think uh, you're going to make a uh, fine senator. I think we need more people who are going to have the courage and uh, to stand up against their own party and uh, be eight changes. And, uh, you know, we're not going to always agree on every single issue. But, you know, um, I've evolved over the years and being more open to... Uh, candidates who may not be on the same page on certain social issues, but if they are on the same page with me on their regarding their fiscal platform, then I think that's the priority, and I'm all for voting for uh, candidates who uh, share your view. And uh, I'll leave it with this. I do agree. Um, I don't think it's going to make a ruckus uh, at the Constitutional Convention regarding the um, balanced budget. Uh, I believe ballot's budget amendment because uh, we're almost there, which is a great sign. Right, the fact right. that we need 34 states and 28 states are there, uh-huh. that's already the will of the American people changing course, saying that uh, you know we're on the verge of uh, achieving that goal and we're just very close away. And you know the facts don't lie. 28 states, a few more to go. So yeah, thank you, right. sir. It's been an honor and a privilege to. Uh, be able to have you and um, thank you so much for taking your time to answer my questions and good luck. Well, thank you very much. Nice talking with you. Uh, and and hopefully we we'll, and hopefully uh, to be honest, we'll be able to, to, to squeeze some some more time out of uh, our guests tonight because we got uh, you know right now just right now <laughs> you know five folks on the on the call who'd like to ask something. Let's go ahead and bring it over to Linda. 
Uh, thank you very much. Linda from Ohio, thank you very much for coming to the show. Yes. How are you doing tonight, Linda? Yes, thank you very much. Can you hear me? Yes, I can hear uh, you. Yeah, it's a little bit of an echo, but uh, well, I hear you. Let me take you off speakerphone. First of all, sir, I appreciate um, your, your uh, being on the show tonight. I know you're running for senator in, as a Republican in Nebraska, and as a staunch Democrat since my first election that I voted in in 1976, I want to commend you for um, a couple of things. First off, I'm very happy with your stance on the environment. I understand you're not a scientist, um, but I appreciate that you are acknowledging the global warming issue, even though Rob is not. Um, but I understand that you are acknowledging that, and that's important to me. The second thing is is that um, when, when you talked about immigration, a couple of things you mentioned, you talked about bringing in qualified candidates to take jobs in the United States, right. tech people and physicians and those kind of things. However, one of the things that I think is really lacking in this country, if you look at the recent um, natural disasters we've had in Florida, in California, in Texas, we are missing agricultural workers and construction workers. Well, and when you look, and when you look at the immigration, you know, the immigrants, the the Hispanics, you know, other countries, they're the ones who are out there doing the physical labor. I mean, I've talked, I live in, I actually live really in Indiana, right on the border of Ohio. And I have talked to numerous farmers and people in other states and in my previous job looking at, you know, talking to people in all around the country who said, I can't find white guys, African-Americans, you know, teenagers who will go out on the fields and work Teaches and you know build a house, put on a roof on a Friday night until eight o'clock at night. So while I understand the need to hire those technical people, my two questions I have is: what about the labor, the quote labor force? You know, the physical, hourly, hands-on guys who are out there in the field working. How? What do you? What plans do you have for them? And how are you going to influence a lot of the members if you are elected in the Republican House and in, 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 you know in Congress who are so set against? No, we don't want anybody coming in from out of the country. I mean, you're in the minority. How, what do you what do you think about those blue collar workers, those farm workers, and how are you going to influence members of? Yeah. The, the 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 house and the Congress. Right, right. Okay. Well, as far as the dynamics of getting the job done, I, I have to you know wait until I get there. But I totally agree with you, and that's what I was saying. You know, in Nebraska, we we in Nebraska depend on agricultural workers, meat uh, you know meat immigrants to do agricultural meat packing and construction work, and um, we we need them. We, there's a huge labor shortage, and, and so we need them. And so that's why when I talk about a sensible guest worker visa program, it's to bring mm-hmm. those people in, see, through their empl- have their employers sponsor them for these visas, you know, because they're okay, the, like an H one B, like an H one B visa. Well, I don't. H one B might be for, for you know, higher Actually, level that's, tech people, but that's but true. That's kind of I, I don't, I don't know things the, like the, that. Yeah, I don't know the, the numbers, you know, for the but okay, but the okay. Work, workers, 
you know, the workers. I mean, agriculture, um, meatpacking, and construction in Nebraska. You know, we, we, there's a huge need for these workers, and they, they are, they're immigrants. And, and they, we, we should legal, give them legal status with a guest worker visa program. You know, for the the workers who are needed by the companies, and they, they are exactly these these people that you're talking about. You know, they're, they're, it's hard physical work. And we need people right. to do this job. That Americans don't want to do. Americans exactly. don't want to do no, exactly. it, sir. They don't. Uh, no, I, I, I realize. I, I, I totally agree with you. And so the, we have a process, the guest worker visa program, to get so that employers can bring in you know, immigrant, immigrants to do this work, you know, sponsor them, and bring them in, and, and mm-hmm. because this is who they need to get their, to get their work done. Yes. So I agree totally. Now, as far as... Dealing with the establishment, I, you know, I, I just, but Nebraska, I mean, has a labor shortage, but other states do too. I mean, I mean, California has a shortage of agricultural workers. You know, it just seems to me that there, there must be other, there must be people in, in, in Congress who, who are aware of their, their local needs for immigrant labor, you know, you know and so I, I just don't understand. Right. You know, I, I will, and by the way, I'm, I, I, I Democrats and Republicans need to work together on all these big issues, and, and I'm totally in favor of doing that. And, and, and you know, I, I'm not – I'm a fiscal – I'm a non-ideological fiscal conservative. That's how I describe myself. I want to get the job done <laughs> working with anyone and everyone who who, who, who agrees and, and is willing to work together to do it. Mm-hmm. So, anyway, standing up to the establishment, that's really not <laughs> – uh, you know, I'm bucking the establishment by, by, by challenging an incumbent – well, uh, you know, Deb Fisher, well, just, nice, by, just by just by running, you're you're bucking yeah, the right. establishment, she's a, correct? Deb, yeah, Deb Fisher, she's a nice lady. I mean, in other words, I have nothing against her personally. She's a nice lady for it. Yeah, you know, I just she's not getting the job done. You know, on mm-hmm. on the on the debt, and, and, you know, especially specifically, and that's why I'm running. Even though she's a nice lady, you know, that that's that's not good enough. And let's go ahead because we, you know, we've got a, a few folks that I, that I want to try. I, I want to try to keep you on time. I'm, I don't know if we're going to quite make exactly there, but I'm going to do my best uh, sure, no, for you. Uh, yeah, we can go. We can go over it. We, we can go. We can go. No, past no that. problem. We can go past. Well, so we can go thank over, you. you, you thank can go you. over the hour. <laughs> what, what's that? No, I'll keep. I'll keep listening in, but I'll let other people call in. But sir, I wish you good luck. And like I said, as a staunch Democrat, I mean you. As far as other Republicans, you you have a couple of the core values that are important to me, um, and I hope you get a chance to work on that. Well, great. Well, th- thank you, Linda. Okay. All um, right. And thanks, Rob. Awesome. Uh, you're welcome, Linda. We'll keep your your mic open because we'll we'll keep you in for our roundtable discussion okay. later on uh, in the great. program, where we'll be talking about other topics this evening. And I appreciate uh, your willingness to stay with us. Uh, uh, tonight, because we do have you know folks here who definitely want to, to talk with you. Sure. Uh, so I appreciate right. that, Jackie. So let's go ahead and bring it over to Dr. Thank Tolbert. Dr. Much. Tolbert, thank you uh-huh. very much for coming to the show. Oh, thank you. Thanks, Leslie. Yeah, definitely stay on. We'll have you for a roundtable discussion. Go ahead, uh, Dr. Tolbert. Uh, thank you. Just to uh, so that the uh, uh, spokesperson tonight understands, I'm the high school dropout, retired military, motivational speaker and got my doctor degree in 2010, and I'm 75. And I ran for the U.S. president, ran for the governor, and ran for the state senate as no party affiliated. So we're going to start from a viewpoint that the national debt is the majority based on 
the improper usage and how we're handling the IRS and Social Security. The Republican Party in 2008 came out with H.R. 25, which was the consumer tax, which closed down the, H, closed down the IRS. And it was voted against because of the Democratic and the majority of the Republicans didn't understand how they were misusing the money that was being brought into and that the national debt of $20 trillion was mostly going to the senior citizens and Social Security, if you do an analysis. The issue is also that the federal government only has 18 responsibilities, and yet they've taken on other responsibilities that belong to the state, such as the Department of Education, the transportation, uh, the, the climate control, the drug enforcement. All these issues belong to the state. We're going to go into the fact that 50 states are sovereign states, which means every state is supposed to guard and protect its own borders. When they allowed the immigrants to come from Europe, the federal government took over immigration. Initially, $50 was being paid by each immigrant to come into America, and the federal government established immigration and naturalization in 1896. But it did not take away the responsibility of state control. So sovereign states, immigration, and all this actually belongs to the states. When you get into the visa program of 250,000 members coming in, there's also forgetting that the unemployment is not actually 3, 4, 5%. Actual unemployment is 14 to 21% because they're not including those people who have elected not to run, not to uh, take on jobs, and have stepped out of the marketplace. When you get into the fact of jobs as far as agriculture, at 13, 14, I worked on the farms, and I was trained in schools and places to go into and work on farms where you had a equality of immigrants that came in to work on farms, but you had our young men. Today, the highest percentage of un unemployment is the American black male, and the American Caucasian male. These are the two as highest. So closing down the IRS, making the consumption taxes being collectible at the time of purchase in a state, the state would gain 2% of that collection. 1% goes toward education of the state and 1% goes to the health care. Under Obamacare, which was determined to be unconstitutional, and there is no federal law or constitutional amendment authorizing medical care by the federal government. So the states have, again, foregone their responsibility. So everything that's being discussed tonight is not taking on the constitutional viewpoint of the responsibility of the federal government. It's not taking on the fact that immigration should not be looking at bringing people in to take our jobs, it should be looking, how do we build our military? How do we educate? And my doctorate degree is in education from Nova University. It should be about education, and it should be about defense. So if we have education, production, and defense, we don't have all these problems that everybody's trying to address. I'm going to briefly just cover the 
climate control. It has been proven scientifically that the sunspots is climate control, and this is where they are not being properly educated. If anybody pulls up and goes into research and does a research study, you're going to find that the change in climate is getting colder now. It is not getting warmer. And you're going to find that over the next 100 years, we're going to have a decrease in temperature. So everything that we're, I'm not disagreeing what is being discussed. I'm just covering areas that need to be re-looked at by politicians. Now, I'm a no-party affiliated. The president has my resume. I write memos on the FBI, the uh, uh, Common Core. I wrote the first articles, how to close it down, where it was. I wrote articles about the felons not being allowed to vote after they served their time. I filed charges against both political parties for uh, uh, violating the uh, commerce laws. Uh, I have done many things to ensure that we don't do this. Now, I know that Nathan and a couple of people have mentioned my name to you, but I just want to bring up the fact that the 1 through 10th Amendment is a good thing, but the 11 to 27th Amendment, the Supreme Court and Congress need to relook at. They need to close it down because they're all covered. The 10th Amendment is not being enforced because the 14th Amendment took away the rights of the states. So I'm just going to kind of leave it there, and that'll give a, that'll give a good discussion. Go ahead, uh, Robert. Well, let's well, go ahead and bring it back to uh, to you, Jack, to, for a response. Yeah, right. Okay. Well, thank you, Doctor Tolbert. Yeah, there was a heck of a lot of stuff there you covered. Uh, but let me just make one general response. I think I I don't think it's it's feasible uh, to go back to the original Constitution. Um, you know. Uh, American society, we are, we have, we have advanced so far and come so far in the last over 200 years that uh, we we simply can't get. We it's not we we can't. The world is too complicated, too complex, too sophisticated at this point. You know, 200 and some years later, to go back to the original meaning of the Constitution. I I think, you know, healthcare, for example. Well, I mean, you say it's not authorized in the Constitution. Well, you know, it's not. I'm sure it's not. Um, but the general welfare is, you know, we're, we're authorized to, uh, Congress is authorized to deal with the general welfare. And so, you know, it's, it, health care isn't, the federal government is not going to drop its involvement in, in health care, and, and I don't think it should. You know, in fact, I support universal health care, you know, health care for everyone, but we need to do it, in a, you know, in an economically, fiscally efficient way. And, and uh, so I, I'm in favor. That's not even feasible. Well, yeah, but I mean, it's well. I think it is. I mean, for the government to be involved, and and we're gonna, and it's not. It's you know, realistically, it's not going to go away. So let's just do it. Let's do it right. Let's do it better. Let's do it efficiently, and and you know, do, do it much less expensively. And you know, that's that's what my my, my approach to it. I, I we're simply, and I, I you know, I, I the Tenth Amendment is great. You know, all powers not specifically given to the uh, federal government are, are reserved for the states. Well. The states should do more, and the states do things better. They do things more efficiently. Uh, on many levels, they do things better. They do things far more efficiently. They have to balance their own budgets. So uh, definitely, let's give as many responsibilities as possible to back to the states. But we're not going to give everything back to the states. I mean, because the world is far, it's just you know, it's just too complex, too complex, and too too 
uh, sophisticated to, to do that. So uh, I, I don't think we're going to see major changes in, in, in that respect. I mean, it's just not going to it's not going to happen. You can say, well, it's not legal for the for the, all these different things to happen. Well, it may not be legal, but they have happened, and that's just it's, just, it's not going to change. You know. Uh, so see, I'm willing to have as much government as we're willing to pay for, and, and you know, that's really that's a pretty substantial statement because we're not paying of course for for our government we, you know these, def- these huge deficits that are you know continuing to get worse and worse means that we're not paying for for what we're doing and, and so we need to we need to, you know to either cut spending or or increase taxes i mean one way or another and and i think realistically we're going to have to do it by by limiting or you know, cutting back on spending uh, but to, to you know to uh, but anyway I, I'm I'm happy to have as much government as we're willing to pay for. We're simply not willing to pay for what we have, and so we need to make changes. Yeah. So I haven't said that though. If they if they re-age the Social Security, where the age drop for payments and increase before you could collect, and the majority of your debt today is that the people that are on Social Security, and the federal government has taken the majority of the Social Security num- money. And manipulated to uses that weren't legally constitutional. Well, well, see, I don't, I don't agree with that. Um, there, the, Social Security is currently, it, it actually, there's actually, there is a trust fund, by the way. I mean, you know, it, it's just maybe it's just an accounting, just numbers in a book, but there is a trust fund. It's roughly two uh, trillion dollars, and it's being depleted, of course, by at the rate of over a hundred billion dollars a year. So it's, it's going to be gone. Uh, the Social Security Trust Fund is going to be gone by the early 30s, r- roughly 15 years, in, in which case benefits will be reduced. I mean, by law, when the trust fund is depleted in roughly 15 years, benefits will be depleted, will be decreased by 25 percent, you know, all Social Security benefits. And, and that's, that's in the law. So if, if we don't shore up Social Security, then in 15 years, everybody's, uh, benefits will be be reduced by twenty five percent. I mean that's actuarially you, you you can figure that out figure that out actuarially. So um, so let's to to avoid that. And I, I support Social Security. I'm totally in favor of it. I mean for everyone. I'm on Social Security, and and, and you know I could get by without it. But uh, you know Warren Buffett, who's our or the Oracle of Omaha. You know he he gets Social Security. He doesn't need it. But at, at any rate, um, uh, lots of people do need it. And I'm I I want to protect and preserve Social Security. Especially for 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 those who, who who depend on it, and so we need to shore it up. That's one example because it's it's depleting. It has there is a trust fund, but it's being depleted, and so it, the money's going to run out. And and uh, um, and so so we need to make changes, whatever they are. I mean, to me, Social Security is is a conceptually easy problem to fix. And then I, when I, I say that, you know, in quotation marks, compared to health, the cost of healthcare is just extremely difficult and complicated problem but social security we we could raise the income cap for example or we could slowly raise the uh, age eligibility or, or or something you know we can make small changes um uh, in, in in the framework of social security would would stabilize it and, and uh um for for many years to come and and, and so you know and, and i'm sure congress will do that i mean this fifth you can say well it's 15 years away 15 years it, it will be, you know, the, the the benefits will be reduced dramatically if no changes are made. Well, sometime between now and 15 years from now, um, those changes will be made because it's by law it's it's going to be, you know, greatly, uh, you know, it's going to be hurt uh, badly if 
if no changes are made, and so I think they will be made. It, it, to me, that, that's a that's a a relatively easy uh, solvable problem. And, and again, I would yeah. I I want I I totally support the, the, the Social Security system because there's so many people who who need it and rely on it, and, and so we we need to fix it. And uh, are you aware are you aware of the fact that two point some trillion dollars has been taken from Social Security? by the federal government and misused and not uh, used according to no, no, it's, the it's, reason it's, why? I, I, don't, I don't agree with that. I mean, there is, there's a, so the trust fund, I mean, which I would call the trust fund, you're saying it's being misused. I mean, it, roughly $2 trillion uh, that's there, it, it's kept track of. It, 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 it's, it's, in the, it's in the Treasury. You know, it's, it's used by, it's part of the $20 trillion debt. Uh, because it's used by the federal government, but it's kept track of, and and, and uh, you know when that and, and it's being depleted, that it's going down by at least a hundred billion or maybe more than that uh, per year. And, but when when that's gone, then you know then uh, the benefits are going to be reduced. So I, let I, me I, just I let me just yeah let me just well, read this to you. The government has embezzled all super surplus Social Security revenue generated by 1983 pay taxes and spent the money on wars and other government programs. None of the money was saved or invested in anything. So that is just one of many articles showing where the federal government went into what you're calling a trust fund, took the money out, used it for purposes other than investing to keep the Social Security up and running. Now, we have the agreement. Changing the ages is correct, and we have the agreement that that's going to increase. But shouldn't the federal government put the money back into Social Security that they illegally took? Well, I don't, not necessarily. I mean, it's it's in the it's in the the Treasury. It's it's used for other things, but it, it's it's kept track of. It's part of the debt. It's part of that twenty trillion in debt. Um, so it's not like that has been been stolen or or, or you know it's it's just it's out there. It's and uh, um, you know you know it has not been invested. I don't know. Should we invest Social Security? Of course, Social Security is a, you know pays out as it comes in, and, and of course it's, it's running a deficit now. So you can't really, you can't there's <laughs> yeah, nothing left is. to invest. But should it should it be should we move to a system where we're investing the Social Security proceeds and and then to, to increase? Well, well and I, I don't and, know, I, and I'm going to interject. Then I got to get. Well, I'm going to interject here, and then I'm going to get to to Cindy. She's got the questions here. But and as, and as I said, you know, who knows? Maybe we'll have yourself and. Uh, you know, others on, we can have a, a show just all on the this. Uh, do, sure. You know, maybe we could bring it back in later on the show. But I'm, uh, one of the things, you know, and I'm, anymore, I'm not even a big uh, Bush fan. I was back in the years, but the more I hear from him, the more I don't, I don't like him any, you know, anymore. But one of the things that I did like the the idea was is look, everyone get has their own, and I don't want to say lockbox because I was a gore, but I say everybody who puts the, their money in, this should be calculated how much they put in. It's your own, you know, personal. Oh, you should personalize uh, Social Security. I think you should. Each person, this is what they paid in. This is it goes into their own. They can invest it wherever they think it should be invested, and that could go towards their retirement. Um, but let's go ahead and there's some background music. I don't know what that is, uh, but uh, you know, I do got other callers who de- who would love to talk with you, uh, Jack. So let's go ahead and you know, and I'm not trying to cut anybody off, but I do want to give every, everyone an opportunity here. And if we could bring this back around, depending on how, how much time uh, more you're willing to give us, Jack, we could do that. But I'm going to get these other folks in. And I apologize, Dr. Colbert, but I, we've got, you know, four or five other people on the line who'd like to uh, speak with uh, Jack tonight. And so let's go ahead and bring in Cindy. Thank you very much, Cindy, 
for coming to the show. How are you? And but uh, just as, as a kind of a note, showing the the national, well, at least the callers here tonight, uh, both uh, Doug Tober and Cindy Hale from uh, Florida, and then we got Kelly. You'll, you'll be next from California, and then we have uh, yourself, uh, Susan. I think uh, we got you from Idaho there, and then we've got John on the line as well. So we, you know, we've got the the folks. Today we got people in who definitely want to bring some things up and, and talk to Jack. But let's go ahead and bring in Cindy. Thank you very much, Cindy, for coming to the show. How are you? Hello, Robert. Um, pretty good. How about you guys? Great. Um, I I got to tell you, um, sir, I would not vote for you. <laughs> You're way off from from my. Um, I, I'm a Republican, um, and I guess you would consider me a um, right wing Christian re- Republican, and so um, you're kind of far away from from my uh, situation here. First of all, um, and I know Joseph said that he, you know, he he's much more interested in financial issues than social issues. Well, I happen to think that if we don't get the social issues right, we'll never get the financial interest um, uh, right. I, I don't think we're ever going to get our country back on track as long as our as long as we do what we have been doing socially. Um, my, this is my number one concern, and um, turning away from social values has brought us the des- destruction of our Constitution. Um, I look at gun control versus bringing God back into our schools and public life. Um, you know, that tells us whether our Second Amendment will survive. Um, we, didn't, we didn't have people shooting up schools um, you know, before the 1960s, um, there were very few school shootings. Um, and so, um, that, you know, and, and you take God out, and then what do you have? You have, th- that's where all the stuff broke down. You started to have more teenage pregnancies, more unwanted pregnancies, more um, suicide rates, more the um, SAT scores started plummeting. Um, you know, all the violence and the drugs that came into our schools, it all came after we kicked God out. And when you think about the right to life, um, you know, the Constitution, the preamble says we, ha- we um, want to have right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Well, that's versus the right to kill a baby in the womb, whether or not our beliefs about the yeah. government uh, should, you know, what sure. the government should do to protect our citizens. Should the government be protecting everybody? Or well, real, real quick, Cindy, someone's got real Cindy, real quick. Someone's got some some background noise going on. Uh, so you can mute your your phones or mics or whatever uh, until we until we bring you back into the show. If we can do that, that'd be great. Go ahead, Cindy. So you know, if you um, uh, you know continue to. Uh, kill babies in the womb, you're talking about the government deciding not to protect a certain class of citizen. Um, you know, you've got your gays' right to force bakers and florists in a, uh, to participate in their lifestyle, and that's versus the right to have free speech and freedom of association and religious freedom. You, you can't have both. You're going to have one or the other. Um, government can take 50 to 60% of our income, and, and nobody's going to complain. This is taxation without representation. This is all against our Constitution, and it's and and until these 
social issues get get changed or or paid attention to, we're not really going to have our rights according to the Constitution. Um, you can see what's happening down here in Florida and Tallahassee, in particular, that you know people wanted to give away our gun rights in order to. Um, Somebody's got a speaker. Hold on, on, Cindy, real quick. I I apologize deeply, Cindy, and and, and folks. Okay. It just someone's got you know, background noise, other people talking or having a conversation or or something of that nature. Uh, I, I don't want to have turn off mics myself here. I mean, I can. Uh, I I don't want to have to do that. But yeah, if if you know someone's like in the background talking or whatever, we are uh, picking that up. Uh, and so if you can uh, mute the mic or at least have either they go in another room or you go in another room or something. Uh, but we are getting some some background conversation. If we can get that alleviated without me have to, you know, arbitrarily just mute some mics, which I hate to do. Um, but if we could do that, I'd, I'd appreciate if you could do that for us. Uh, go ahead, Cindy. And if and if I, I'll, you know, have to, I'll I'll, I'll do that. But I, I I don't hear it now. Well, so I let's also hope, uh, let's hope, go ahead, Cindy. That's fine. I also disagree in that I I do believe that Americans do want to work, and I think they would take the jobs. And let's let's face it, when we talk about um, immigrants coming in to take a job, we're talking about Mexicans because um, those are the ones that are really um, numerous enough to have an impact on our economy. Um, we, I come from a farming community. We grow fern and citrus here mostly. Um, we are considered the fern capital of the world. In order to get that fern to the market to the florists so that they can use them in arrangements, we have to have that fern cut. Okay, it, it's a it's one of those outdoor laborious jobs, unskilled labor. It until the Mexican population began to explode in the 1970s, that fern was cut by young people, um, high school kids that would get off school and come have a part-time job, um, or young yeah. people who didn't want to go to college could do that and make a pretty good living at it. Um, uh, we used to pick our own oranges and tomatoes down in South Florida where I lived in Miami. Um, what farmers found out, though, was that Mexicans would do that work cheaper. Yeah. Um, they'll, roof a, they'll roof a house cheaper. They'll pick crops cheaper. You name the job, they'll do it cheaper. And so what happens when you allow unskilled labor to come over in the numbers and the droves uh, that we do is that the rate of your pay goes down. The best explanation against um, this mass immigration is Ted Cruz's speech during that big gang of eight debates we used to have a long time ago. Mm-hmm. Um, you can still find it on YouTube, and it is excellent to learn what the results are to not stopping that flood of immigration. And you guys are saying that after a foreign student uh, graduates, we shouldn't make them go back. Well, you know, we want some good, you know, intelligent people to come here, and, and that's fine, but one of the best things you can do for our immigration problem is just to send them back to improve their own country. The of more course. stable Mexico the Absolutely. more stable Mexico No, if they, go, is, if they go back to their own country, that, that, that helps their own country. That helps their country. I, I agree right. with you on that. But if they want to stay here and they have the, the skills to contribute, you know, the high-tech skills to contribute uh, to our economy, then I would, I would let them do that um now as far as you know in i don't know you know texas and florida they may they may be overrun with immigrants in in nebraska we have a huge labor shortage and we need the you know the the, the uh, immigrant labor and 
but at, at any rate, if a visa, you know, a sensible uh, guest worker visa program would mean that only people come in for whom the, the, the ones who are needed by, by the employers. I mean, the employers uh, bring in if they can't find the lo- they don't have the local labor to get their work done then they arrange to bring in immigrant labor. So, I mean, that's, that's a, the guest worker uh, program. You know, that's so only because I, they can use those, they can get those workers for cheaper, though. They, well, they're only bringing them in because they can get them for cheaper. If they paid Americans the money that it takes to live in America, and see, that's the problem. You bring the Mexicans in, you pay low pay, low hourly wage, and then guess what? They're on government help. Now I am paying for them to be here, not just the employer um, giving them a job. I'm paying for them to be. I'm paying for their food stamps. I'm paying for their child tax credit at the end of yeah. the year. I'm paying all of that. Well, if you, if, you know, in Florida, if you've got the the uh, native you know people, the, the high school kids and so on, to do the work, then then you don't need uh, the the uh, you know immigrants. And so the guest worker program would you, you know you, you'd you'd meet your employment needs with with uh, with locals and, and with with native uh, with Americans and and so, you know that's the way it would work. So in Nebraska, but unless you force the employers to do that, to to look here first, they're going to go to the illegals well, because that's absolutely. what we have here. We have seventy percent right in our farming community here. Force them. Yeah, we no, have force in them. our high schools seventy percent. Our our elementary school, high school, middle school, seventy percent Mexican population. Force, them, for, yeah, force the, the companies to to prove that that there is no local labor available before they are able to bring in legally, uh, you know, the immigrants to to do the work. I mean, absolutely. I mean, that's part of the that's part of the way it would. would well, work. how did we get it done before they came? They well, were here before the late seventies. Well, I don't we know. We did just fine. Yeah, yeah. Robert, can I interject something about Nebraska and its governor and how its governor sent back? the illegal immigrants and complained about the fact there were too many illegal immigrants in Nebraska taking jobs and costing too much money for the state of Nebraska? Well, I haven't heard that. Um, uh, is this the, the current governor, Governor Ricketts, are you talking about? or, or this, hap- this happened last year. There was a big movement when Obama uh, was trying to bring in uh, uh, the immigrants over a period of a couple of years secretly. And your state governor actually put them on a bus and shipped them all back into their own country. Okay, and if well, you pull up the website, you'll find the, the name of the governor. Then I don't know if it's the same one. Was Heiderman David? Oh, Heiderman. Yeah. No, he was several years. He, that would have been uh, four or five years ago. Uh, Heiderman. Right. Yeah. The, that's pre, that's pre, when we were first writing the articles on the issue. Yeah. And it was and and he was um, going against the fact that your state was over usage of immigrants causing a burden on your state and that in so doing he actually took his right as a sovereign state and shipped these people back to their own country yeah well i i've uh, forgotten about that i i don't i can't recall the details but we have a huge you know our unemployment rate is 2.7 percent statewide it, it that means that's a huge labor shortage you know, in, in Nebraska. So well, why uh, does two percent go to work your, your where those jobs are needed? What your well, what, your unemployment's two percent? No, two two point seven percent on unemployment. But that means that's a labor shortage. I mean, four percent 
it, it's kind of a break even. If you're below four percent, well, yeah, that's you know, yeah, that's yeah, that's supposed to be like zero, uh, you know, full employment of four percent, something like that. Four percent is is break even. Two point seven percent. That's that's a labor shortage. You know, you know, there's just well, what. There's, there's work, help wanted signs all, I mean, in, in Omaha, you know, help want, everybody's looking for help because, you know, I mean, I just. Um, but that, that's how, but that, we're, we're, wait, wait a minute, let me interrupt. I, I'm not a mathematician by any stretch of my imagination. I mean, I, I hate it, math. And then we're going to, we're going to bring Kelly in from California in soon. But, um, but if you have 2.7% unemployment, which is actually better than that's supposed to be, Four percent, which is considered full employment, and that's not including people who who want to work. But that, does that doesn't that mean you have an excess of people who who don't have jobs? What I mean, well, that sounds counter that sounds counterintuitive to me. So if you have you know four percent unemployment is actually you know supposed to be full employment, like all the jobs are taken up. Right. So you right. actually have more people. No, you have more people than jobs is what it sounds like. If only 2.7% of people are looking for work, that, that's just, you know, that's just the churn, you, you know, the, the people between jobs. Um, that's much, that, that means a, a labor shortage. If you, you know, less than 4% means a labor shortage, and, and that's what we have in Nebraska. So uh, you, you'll have to <laughs> work through the numbers on so, that. You're saying that, just sounds counter, that just sounds counterintuitive to me uh, because, if, I mean, you have, let's say you have 100 jobs, and you have 120 people, well, then you have more people than you do jobs. I mean, right, right. I mean, but because if you're at two percent, okay, let's use the two percent. That means you have a hundred. That, that means you have a hundred jobs, but only two percent unemployment. People. That means you have 98 well, Robert, people working. Robert, you do have to Go consider ahead, what but, kind of a job. You do have to consider what kind of a job it is. That you're that you're talking about that that you can't get you can't get it. Um, what I see more than anything, I don't see um, low-paying unskilled jobs unable to get people. I'm seeing skilled workers and educated workers. Those are the people that are few and far between because of our stupid education system, and and um, you can't you can't find people for those jobs because nobody has. Bother to do the studying in school right. and do the work. Right, right. Yeah, no, you're right. There's, a, there's, a, there is. A, I mean, nationally, there's a labor shortage for, for high skilled uh, people. Yeah, mm-hmm. right. There's a huge shortage of, of skilled workers. But that's not who we're bringing in from Mexico, though. Well, but but we're in bringing Nebraska, in unskilled sure. labor, labor people who are desperate, and so they're spilling over the border uh, as fast as they can. Um, paying their life savings to a coyote right, to get right, them here. Right, right. That's and, illegal. That's our illegal immigration. What right. we, we need to move. We need to. If we would legalize with the guest worker program, the the, the people who are needed by the employers to, to do the work, then and 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 then of course have stronger border security along with it. Then we would cut down on illegal immigration, but we would provide the employers with the with the work workers they need. And look, it, it is unskilled, but you know. The, in Nebraska, there's, we, we have the, a huge shortage. We, we don't have the, the unskilled workers. You know, this, this is hard physical labor, agriculture, meatpacking, uh, construction, you know, drywall and roofing and so on. It's, it's hard labor. And the Mexicans, the Hispanics, uh, the immigrants are willing to do it, and they're needed uh, here uh, you know, you know, to, to, get the well, job, to get the work done. 
And, and, and let me try something before I bring in Kelly real quick, and then, you know, we'll, of course we'll keep folks, you know, on the line, but I want to be able to get at least a couple more of the, the callers in, is that I, I used to do landscaping. I, no, no, I never picked lettuce or anything like that. But, uh, <laughs> but, um, but I mean, I used to hang – now, hanging drywall, it sucks. Because, I, I, I don't know. I've done it. You know, I I hung drywall. I I did landscaping work. You know, I cut grass. I threw mulch. You know, I planted plants. You know, my brother and I did that for over a you know about a decade. You know, we did home remodeling and and landscaping for ten years until the the bubble burst in two thousand and eight. No one wants to pay us anymore. Um, You know, but but I mean, people will do it. I mean, I remember uh, many a hot day wearing a hat and having literally having sweat dripping from the bill of my hat getting into my eyes. So, I mean, people people will do people it. I mean, at least I did. Kind, there's people that want that kind of job, though, Robert. There's white white Americans, black Americans, uh, legal Mexican Americans, um, and that's another thing that illegal um, immigration increases is the joblessness of illegal Mexicans. But anyway, those people want that kind of a job, um, uh, hanging plaster, I mean, putting up plaster and, and roofing, and um, there's there's there are um, unions for that kind of thing, and they can and they um, that's actually can be a, a high paying job. I mean, you can support your family with those kinds of jobs. Okay, so you take those away from guys that weren't really um, you know smart enough, or uh, you know that. It just wasn't their thing to um, do studying kinds of things or brain work. Maybe they're just more suited to the physical work. My son is more suited to physical work, and so that's what he does. And my my husband too. And um, and and yet they can make a good living off of what they're doing. And and when you when you bring in a lot of illegal Mexicans or too many legal Mexicans. It takes those jobs away, and it forces pay down. It forces the hourly pay down. And then all of a sudden the government has to step in and say, we're going to have to raise the illegals. Stop the illegals with strong border enforcement and allow in only enough legal immigrants that the the employers can show that they need. I mean, that, that they have no other way of getting the labor they need, you know, and so bring in. How are they going to show that? Well, I don't know, but, you know, okay. it has to be demonstrated. And, and, you know, we have a huge labor shortage in Nebraska, and so I'm sure the employers can, can show that, I mean, and, and therefore, you know, um, they would justify what, what bringing What kind of jobs are you – what kind of Agri- jobs are Agriculture, you? meatpacking, well, and construction. I mean, these are the three fields where there's a huge shortage of, of labor. So um, in Nebraska, and, and I suspect other places, but for sure in Nebraska. And let, but let's go ahead at this point, uh, you know, bringing Kelly May and some other uh, things. Cause, you know, and, and what I find interesting is we're all calling from different, you know, states here, as you can, as you can hear, uh, you know, to reiterate, when I mean, we've had, you know, folks from, you know, you know, Florida, Hawaii, Idaho will be coming up next, California we, we're going to have on. And it, it's interesting how some of the, some of the, the issues are the same, but, the, but they are different, uh, you know, depending on what, what state we are, what we're facing. Um, heck, I don't like when I, I make a, you know, a bonus at work, uh, cause I, you know, I have to get salary with a, with a bonus pending on sales cause I'm in sales. Uh, but the government finds it in their infinite wisdom 
when I do, you know, get my bonus, they, they think they're entitled to 40% of it. Why? I don't know. I mean, this is supposed to be the country where if you work harder and you excel and you, do, you know, do more than the, the guy or gal sitting next to you, you, you get compensated for it extra uh, for, the, for, for your labors. But yet the government wants to come by and take 40% of it. But anyway, let's go ahead and bring in Kelly. He's from California, as he probably knows all about outrageous taxation. Thank you very much, Kelly, for coming to the show. How are you tonight? Oh, doing great. Someday I'll go to Nebraska and I'll say, I'm from California, meaning I escaped. (laughs) Well, I mean, I I visited Nebraska last summer. I mean, I was only there for about a week. And I tell you, I mean, and I drove. I mean, so I drove to Nebraska. That you'd probably be familiar uh, with these places. I went to Wilbur, Nebraska. Nice little town. I love it. Um, nice little town there in Nebraska. Uh, I went to go see the eclipse. If the folks who are longtime listeners remember, um, but I went out there, and then I went uh, four hours west. No, I don't think it was four hours. Maybe it was. I don't know. But. Uh, well, anyway, maybe it was an hour and a half, four hours, it doesn't matter, but we went to Lake McConaughey, which is really nice, uh, you know, rented a beach house there by the lake, and, you know, it's just a relaxful time. And, you know, driving through Nebraska is beautiful. If you ever get the opportunity you want to take a road trip, I highly recommend driving through. I mean, there was times where it was just fields and fields where you look at the right, and you look at the left, and it's all yellow uh, sunflowers, and you have a black road. And you just look ahead, and you're going up, you know, going up a hill, and it's just this black strip of the road, you know. And you got yellow all on the right, yellow all the left, or you have hills, or or what have you. And um, and and, and it's just it, it, the scenery. It's 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 magnificent. It's really beautiful. And then uh, when I was out there at night, um, it, you know, it's a lot darker there than you know, I live in the city, and you can you know partially see the milky way uh which was which was awesome when i was out there i'd definitely like to go back out again but anyway i'm going to digress about my trip go ahead <laughs> but if you well, well, have visit nebraska yeah. i do highly recommend it yeah I, I, i've driven to nebraska so um i'm actually from iowa um mr oh okay mr heidel yeah and I'm, I'm glad you're running i'm glad everyday americans are getting involved the title uh, the title like heidelberg that was my yeah. mistake <laughs> go ahead, go heidel ahead. Okay, sorry. All right. Well, yeah, sir. Um, yeah, a few uh, questions last comments. Rand Paul, recent statement on the budget. Number two, constitutional amendment, which you mentioned. I like that. And then the ninth and tenth amendment. Um, so I went to three. But Rand Paul um, was quite outraged. I heard his speech um, outraged at the Republicans for spending too much. Um, would you stand with Rand on? On his position. Oh, absolutely. I mean, but but I would like to point out that Rand Paul supported, voted for the, the, the trillion dollar, you know, the tax cut, um, uh, uh, which, you know, adds a trillion dollars to the debt. So, you know, he did oppose the, uh, you know, the, the, the new uh, increased spending in, in the budget bill, but he voted to increase the debt in terms of the, of the uh, you know, tax cut. So, um, you know, which didn't have to happen. You know, it could have been revenue neutral. Uh, you know, a tax reform that was revenue neutral that would not have added to the debt, and and he did not, uh, you know, object to that. So, so, but yeah, I mean, he's probably one of the he's one of the top fiscal conservatives in the Senate. It's just that uh, you know there aren't enough to to get the job done. Oh well, yeah, well yeah. Hopefully, we'll get more in that place. Constitutional amendment in the '60s, um, the states were petitioning. 
Congress to do this. And Congress, see, the constitutional step for an amendment is either the states call it or Congress calls it. Right. And then Congress facilitates a convention and yada, yada. Now, the states were petitioning uh, in the 60s for a balanced budget, and it was in Congress's hand. They did not fulfill their constitutional duty, Congress meaning, and Congress dropped the ball. And there are groups out there looking for um, a senator or a congressman to run with what's already been applied for and champion it through to get the convention. What What's your thoughts on? Well, uh, you, yes, yeah, I mean, again, there, there. Are, I, I don't recall what happened in the '60s, but you know, there are now 28 states mm. who have called for a constitutional convention for a balanced budget, and. It only takes 34. And uh, now what I think will happen, you know, if, you know, we get close, you know, if a few more states um, make the call and and we get close to 34, I mean, I don't know, 32, 33, that might encourage or, you know, motivate uh, Congress to act itself. I mean, in other words, you know, if it looks like it's going to, well, once there are 34 states, then Congress has hey, to call hey, the convention. Jack, real, Jack, real quick, I just want to Jack, I just want a little programming note. Uh, as I do see some other folks uh, in the call, I am going to do what's called going to the green room, uh, which is, is I'm going to just uh, go in and get your name and get uh, uh, where you're calling from. So if you lose audio, it's not that you lost the call. It's that I brought you into the green room so I could just get uh, your name where you're calling from. Uh, so don't be alarmed if all of a sudden, like, hey, where's the sound go? That's just me bringing you to the green room so I can get the action. I appreciate it. Go ahead, Jack. Thank you. Yeah. Well, anyway, I, you know, if, if we get close to 34 states calling for a convention, I think Congress might step in and, and just propose a balanced budget amendment on its own, which it might decide it would, rather, it would rather propose an amendment itself than leave it up to the, you know, chaos or confusion of a, of a constitutional convention, which we've never had, of course. You, we, nobody knows how it that will work if, if it happens. But, it, you know, if 34 states do call for it, then Congress is, it, the Constitution is, it says that it shall call, you know, a, a convention, you know, so it has to. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Well, anyway. Well, yeah, um, yeah, well, by the way, uh, I uh, <clears throat> I went to Iowa State years ago, and, and by the way, go Big Red, uh, go yeah, Huskies. Right, right. That's They're Huskers, the Corn Huskers, uh, yeah, Corn Huskers. Right. Well, I'm 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 still bitter. I'm kind of joking around here. I'm still bitter because at Iowa State in the late '80s, Nebraska would always just cream us in football, and so we we had to come up with a joke there at Iowa State to console ourselves. And uh, the joke was this: What does the N on the Nebraska football helmet stand for? I, I don't it know. Sta- but... It stands for knowledge. Okay. Oh. Um, <laughs> right. Yeah, that's good. That's good. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, they've always had. The Cornhuskers is such a good football team. All right, Ninth and Tenth Amendment. I wanted to. I'm I'm the resident libertarian here, um, fiscally conservative. But uh, all right, Ninth and Tenth Amendment of the U.S. Constitution. Can you tell me what they're about? Well, frankly, you're going to have to remind me on the Ninth. I mean, the Tenth Amendment, of course, says that uh, all powers not expressly given to the national government uh, are reserved for the states. And, and and you know, I think that's. Excellent. I mean, we've gotten away from it. There's no question about it. And I would like to see us get back in that towards it. And, and you know, in terms of 
getting the budget under control, you know, you know, when the federal government doesn't have the money to pay for the programs that, you know, it's supporting or it's supposedly, you know, um, you know, um, supporting and, and uh, authorizing, then um, that's one way to to get there is to, is to turn more things back to the states, I mean, you know, which is a very good idea. So, well, I, I like I that. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I'm I'm very happy. Yeah, I'm very happy you got that one right because I ask any of our candidates that question. It's a, it's really a fundamental because the states created the federal government, not the other way around, and the, right. and the federal government needed to have permission over and over until well, recently it's been upside down. But the Ninth Amendment is is very similar, but said another way, it basically says yes, we're giving you this power. That doesn't mean you have all Paul. All, all power over us whatsoever. It's it's the ninth and tenth are saying the same thing in a different way. The ninth is it, you get the heart of you know when you put both of them together. But I did want to mention about you know your comment about uh, um, we should have as big a government as we can afford. Well, maybe on the state level, not the federal, because well, Thomas Jefferson said something brilliant. He said a government that's big enough to give you everything you want is also powerful enough to take everything you have. So what's your thoughts on that statement? Yeah, well, I suppose that's right. Uh, I, you know, I haven't thought about that. Um, you know, we have we have so many checks and balances that I don't think we have to worry about, you know, the federal government taking, uh, taking things away from us. Um, and by the way, you know, state... States, all states have to balance their budget. So, so again, they, there's there's a built-in, uh, you know, effective mechanism for keeping things under control. I mean, you, you simply, if you don't have the money, then you don't do it. And 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 if you don't, and, or you you cut back, or you set priorities, and you only you make decisions, and and you know you can only do so much, and based on the income that you have, and and you know what your tax level is, and so on. So states. The issue simply doesn't arise at the state level because they have to balance their budget. They have to raise. They have to have the money to, to um, you know, to to support the programs that that that, that, they, that they support. And so, um, yeah. Well, California is not so good at that. They spend more than they take in, and I don't know how they balance their books, but they do. But, but, uh, yeah. It's. Um, I was just going to tell you a funny, but it slipped my mind. The, oh yeah, here it is. You know, uh, people say that. The federal government is is spending money like a drunken sailor. The sailors pipe, pipe up and they say, "I am so offended at this because when I got drunk and I spent my money, I spent I, and I was out of money. I spent no more." Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, and real quick, uh, another uh, two programming notes, uh, folks. Uh, we got uh, we're going to go ahead and next bring in Tone from Washington. Uh, we're bringing him in uh, a little earlier because, uh, unfortunately, that, that was my fault. Uh, accidentally, I, I think uh, I may have accidentally disconnected that call, but we do have him back in, and I do appreciate, Tone, uh, you calling us back in after that. So we are going to get you in next. And then rest assured uh, we are going to have uh, John and Susan as well. But it'll actually be Susan and John because when they called in. Um, but programming note that uh, we have about 20 minutes of the what we call the live portion of the show. Uh, whereas uh, if you're out there, you want to call in at 347-945-7428. Uh, we could get you into the show. However, 
uh, don't let your mites drop or her call drop or what have you, because unfortunately at that point, at the stroke of midnight here Eastern time, uh, you would not be able to get called into the show. Uh, now, the third uh, hour will uh, uh, still commence and be part of the podcast uh, as well that you'll be able to share with folks uh, where they can listen to the whole podcast, download it, what have you. Uh, but that will be available as well. Just uh, want to make that programming note uh, for that. But let's go ahead and bring it back to you, Kevin, and then I'm going to bring in Tone. Uh, and thank you very much for calling us back in. I apologize for that call getting dropped. And then we are getting, we've got plenty of time still, uh, at least, you know, talk to Susan and John. And, uh, and again, uh, Mr. Heidel, uh, we, we do appreciate uh, you, you staying with yeah, us. Yeah, I, I, I will Kelly. be leaving. I will be leaving at 12, but, uh, but uh, I'll, I'll uh, stick around. Okay, we'll make sure we get the other folks. Well, 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 Kelly, do you mind if I go ahead and uh, get the other folks in? You'd like to speak with our guest tonight. Well, I, I hope if you get elected, sir, uh, you help push forward a constitutional amendment, and I'll turn it back over to you, Robert. Yeah, okay, well, thanks. Uh, thank, sure, you very, well. thank, thank you very much. Thank you very much. I do appreciate you giving us another hour for uh, the folks here in the line. Uh, do get the opportunity to speak with you because I know they were, you know, really excited to be able to talk with you tonight. Um, and, and those, you know, you know, and other callers, you know, because our audience is excited being able to talk to folks like yourself. So let's go ahead and bring in uh, Tone. Thank you very much again for calling from Washington uh, for coming to the show. How are you tonight? Oh, thank you guys. How's everything going with all of you? Yeah, great. Good, good. Happy right. middle of the week to you. Good. <laughs> Well, you know, my question is, for the last over a year now, uh, we've been hearing Russia, 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 collusion, Russia. And, uh, you know, even went back to the archives of your show uh, over a year ago, you know, it had the, uh, I think it was titled New World Order, uh, Robert Mueller. But now the narrative has changed and people are accepting that there's Russia had a, uh, something to do with the election, but uh, we haven't brought up anything on Trump uh, colluding. Now, what is your guys' view on this right now and how the narrative is changing once again? Well, okay, I mean... Oh, I, we'll bring that question to, uh, to Jack. Yeah, okay, well, apparently, you know, Russia did, uh, you know, try to disrupt our elections. I mean, I, mean, I, I think that's relatively well well established and you know that seems to be people seem to agree that that happened you know whether or not trump or his campaign colluded i think it, it, we don't know that i mean I, I i i have full confidence in mr Mueller uh, that you know if there was collusion he will uncover it and it will come out and and i don't think that has happened yet Absolutely. and so you know we're just waiting to see i mean you know he's indicted several russians for for trying to disrupt the elections but the collusion hasn't been established yet, as far as I can see. Oh, it hasn't. You're absolutely right. There's no, there hasn't been anything that's been announced whatsoever. But what the thing is, is I'm noticing with the right, it seems like Fox News sets this idea of what people are to say. And you see these small little news organizations turn around and bring it all the way down and – it's scary that we have – there's such a control where Trump is listening to Fox News and reporting on exactly what they do 15 minutes afterwards. Um, our president is acting uh, very weird, and it's troubling times across our nation. And well, even Putin has said 
even Putin has said this is exactly what he wanted in the first place. Well, you know, we have well, freedom I'll, of. I'll take a, go, go ahead, go Robert. Ahead, we, we have freedom of press. Oh. We have freedom of speech, and you know, Trump can watch whatever news source he, he wants to, you know, and, and and act accordingly, you know, and other other outlets present def- a different point of view, you know, and people just have to make up sure. their mind, you know. So but, I, but what I was talking about was circular reasoning, a logical fallacy of, in order for news reporters to report on what's going on in the White House. turns out to make the White House act on the news reporting yeah. instead of reporting on what has happened in the White right, House. Right, 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 right. Well, I don't know how, to, <laughs> how you avoid this. And, um, Mr. Trump has an erratic temperament, you know, and, and that's, that's the way he is. Sure. And, and, and uh, you know, I, um, so we just have to. Well, well, my go ahead, John. my take on my take on it, uh, Tony, is, is this: um, you know, the investigations been going on for a year, going on a year and a half. Uh, if there has mm-hmm. been any kind of Russia meddling uh, in our election cycle, uh, one thing that people don't talk a lot about, and I, I, you know, depending on which you know station, I guess you listen to or 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 mode you listen to. Uh, but one of the things that, you know, for folks to bring out more is if they've been doing it, which I'm not saying they haven't been meddling, you know, haven't been trying to influence uh, things. If they have been, this mm-hmm. has been going back to 2014 or, or, or before. Um, and, and the problem I have with the whole thing is that if it, indeed, if it has been indeed going on, to, you know, 2014 and prior, which I believe even probably prior, but let's even start in 2014. Trump didn't even announce that he was running for president in 2014 if they were, you know, working on this. Where was the Obama administration? Mm-hmm. Where was, uh, you know, his I DOJ and his that. FBI then uh, looking into it? And remember, when he, when, when he was talking to uh, two things. One, when, he was, uh, when Obama was running, remember, he was talking to one of uh, Putin's surrogates and saying, hey, just wait a minute. I'm, I'm pretty much. This is my last election. You know, I'll be more flexible on, on things we can do. And I believe he was actually referring to the. Now this has nothing to do with the election. It does have to do with the revolution. This said, oh, well, the Russians are probably, you know, one of our biggest threats. Well, they scoffed at him. And then uh, as, as late as all, um, October, I think, of 2016, uh, Obama was out there saying, no, no, we, the Russians can't affect our elections. Well, well, well now yes. you've got him out saying, oh, yeah. And then you're having 13 people who are in Russia. We're, they're indicted in Russia. Did they ever think they're going to be extradited over here <clears throat> and they're going to even see a trial? Uh, no. I mean, you could say, oh, yeah, you we're going to indict of- these guys. They're never going to be able to get a hold of, never going to be able to question. Uh, well, so and can they, I just say trying, one thing, too? Uh, I, I, I don't trust so the Mueller. I, I know, Jack, you may. Real quick, yeah. you, know, you may trust the Mueller, but I don't trust him at all. Go ahead, uh, Tim. Uh, yeah, so 
what you just said right now is that it started in 2014, which has been now the new talking point of what I was trying to explain of what has come up out of Fox News. And this is what people, those words are coming out of your mouth. But let's stop and think about exactly what you said and apply it to today. So you mean Trump is responsible for the shooting in Florida since the FBI knew about it? Well, that's crazy. I mean, am I know. saying that? <laughs> well, yeah, you're no, saying I'm that Obama saying that was aware of it because the, the FBI was aware of it. FBI was aware of, of Russian collusion, uh, Russian trying to interfere with the election. So it's Obama's fault, which I, I don't know how you guys always neglect and neglect and make sure that it goes back to Obama or Hillary, which, by the way, who cares about Hillary? Do whatever the hell you want with her. But it's just deflection. Focus on what's talking about right now. Instead of deferring to everybody else, and it's just a talking point, your wor- their words are coming out of your mouth. And what that tells me is you're not thinking for yourself. No, my, my, no wait. So I'm, I'm going I'm to re- rebut that, and I'm going to respond to that. Sure. Is that my point is – no, my point is, is that if it wasn't a big deal, if, if Russia – let's say, you know – if so, let, let me ask you this quick. Are you saying that Russia was not trying to influence any elections in 2014? Are you saying that? Never said that, no. Oh, okay, but I'm asking you do, do you think it was only during the 2016 elections? I don't know. From what we're focused on right now is the 2016 election. Okay, but, but, but what, what happened? We have the evidence but, on. But what, but what has happened prior to that? What has happened prior to that doesn't matter. That's a logical You can't just say, oh, you're, well, what happened in 2016? of the first point. If, if, you're, if we're talking about a horse right in front of us right now, and this horse is, has an injury, you don't turn around and start bringing up, well, do you think your neighbor's horse got an injury? Do you think that the horses across Europe had an injury? That's not what we're focused That's called deflecting. Focus on the subject. For, I know it's scary to talk about Trump, but talk about him. And let's have an adult conversation and not talk like third graders. Focus on okay, the Okay, Doug. Yeah. Well, well, and as I stated, so well, for one, okay, let's talk about Trump. It's been a year, a year almost a year and a half that they've been trying uh-huh. to, you know, prove that, you know, there was a collusion sure. between the, you know, Trump campaign. No, they still haven't found anything. Right. Uh-huh. Well, what evidence is there? No. Tell me what the what evidence is there is. Yeah, we have. Well, the evidence that's been disclosed already is that a lower official of Trump's was asked to uh, meet up with Russian officials. They made sure that they picked a lower person on the end, somebody that Trump had no connection to. But they didn't realize that Trump was being recorded talking about this person prior to this all happening. Those two things are facts. So when they turn around and have the, uh, the collusion um, uh, thing come up when um, Donald Trump Jr. met with a lawyer talking about an, uh, an adoption and many different people like Michael Flynn jumping out and asking for plea deals, everybody's keeping things silent right now. But just like any investigation, it takes time. This isn't law and order. It doesn't happen in an hour. And that's what the right keeps saying. Well, it hasn't happened in, in this hour so, so there's no, there's no collusion. Well, I'm sorry. Forget this is about America. It. We have, we have a president of the United States right now that we're scared. The Russians are involved. Our grandparents, our great grandparents, would be ashamed of us right now. Our family Dude, just forget about what the, what the right and, wing and, is saying and it's in Fox constant, News. 
Okay. What's that? One one person talk at a time, please. Okay. Well, we they would be okay. ashamed. And, and Look, Jack, you're you're wanting to respond. Well, this you know I I, I have complete confidence in, in Robert Mueller that he'll come up with with the uh, the facts and and. Uh, just forget about what Fox News is saying and what the right-wing Republicans are saying. You know, it's just there's all sorts of fake news out there, and you know, let's just wait until until we have something credible to to go on. You know, I just absolutely, sir. Absolutely, up, that's that's the smartest thing I've heard. I agree with you. Okay, well, good. Well, and and the point is, and and we'll bring it. Well, send it. Okay, send it left. Then we're going to go ahead and bring in Susan in a moment. And then uh, bring in and uh, bring in John, uh, but but not, my point is is that and, and you're saying all oh, we just talked about the talking points where you know you, you sure. still hasn't been any evidence. It's been a year and a half, and, and who was this? You know, you, you mentioned an no, no, unnamed no, 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 oh no, an unnamed no, person who was lie. in the Trump that was in the Trump campaign. Trump, you know talking. that they made sure it was a there low is, level uh, person. There's but, you know, evidence. You're, you are a liar to say something like that to start off the point and shut it down immediately because this is how your little fungus grows. There is evidence. So don't try to sit there and say there's no evidence. That's what a talking point is, sir. So don't say that you're just using talking points and then utilize it. You know, let's just wait until the <laughs> the evidence comes out. You know, uh, absolutely, just, that's what everyone's well, saying. But you've already made a, an idea that there's no collusion. That's all you keep saying. In fact, if you look back at any of the people that have been saying this the whole time, they're saying there's no evidence. Well, yes, there is evidence. You tell me what part of the evidence you think that's wrong, then, sir. Well, I, I don't. I frankly, I, I don't. Because I haven't been the paying evidence that, hasn't been announced to you through your media sources. I haven't been Isn't paying that, that close attention to it. You know, I. Of you know, course it's just, not. Uh, and the biggest thing in the United States, you're not paying attention, but you're on a radio talking about things. Wow, maybe you should really think about what you're doing and where you are. Yeah, well, I'm running for for political go, office. Go ahead, Jack. You know, based on the issues, and you, you know uh, that. Uh, Congressional issues like you know the death, the debt, and so on, and you know I, I'm just not sure. paying attention to all the innuendo and you know. Well, the, then you don't belong in office. You're you're a perfect candidate not to be in office. Then you're not paying attention to something like that. Either you're too weak to speak up, or you're too dumb to realize. Either one of those things, you shouldn't be in office. Well, that's your okay. Uh, you know, at, at this point, what, at, at this point, you know, at, at this point, we'll go ahead and you know you don't. And I have a I have a disconnected uh, tone, but I'm not going to have people coming on here, and I'm not going to have them, you know, insulting our guests. That's not what we're about here. Uh, you know, we can talk to people civilly, and if it starts to get uncivil, well, then those those people we just don't, you know, allow on the show. Um, and I believe that he went ahead and uh, he went ahead and, and and got off the line anyway. So okay, good, and, that, good. and that's fine. Because we yeah. don't, you know, as I said, one people we don't we don't allow insults here. Go ahead, Jack. Well, let, let's. Talk, I mean, I'm here to talk about the issues, and to me, all this, you know, stuff that's going on around Trump and the investigation. It, this is just all hearsay and and uh, you know innuendo, and we, you know, and I'm waiting for, to to so something comes out that sounds credible and you know is and official, and, and in the meantime, just basically, I'm. I'm Focus on other things, you know. I, I'm not, don't, I'm not paying that close attention to this, all this, you know, the drama on the uh, 
you know, Russian, uh, you know, um, involvement or, you know, um, in, in the campaign or in the elections. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, and, and you know what? A point I wish I would have brought up to him uh, is I want you know he talks about where people get in their news and their uh, information. I'm presuming that that guy probably just listens to the no, CNN. But you know what? We only got a, a little bit of time left before I know you got to go. So let's go ahead and bring in Susan real quick, and then John. Uh, go ahead, Susan. Thank you very much for coming to the show. How are you tonight? I'm fine. I thought I'd never get in. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about that. Yeah, and, and I uh-huh. apologize. I let that guy talk more than I more than I should have, you know. But I do, you know. We, as we say, we do say we welcome, you know, opposing views. You know, everyone's, you know, view is, you know, and input is welcome. We do say that here in the show, and I mean it. Uh, but and, and I was willing to even continue the discussion, maybe even to the third hour with them. But if the guys can start being disrespectful to our guests and to the the callers, that that's just where I, I put a stop to it. Go ahead, Susan. Oh, that's, that's good. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to quote someone before I get into my I am against the con-con thing. My understanding is that espionage means giving secret or classified information to the enemy. Since Snowden shared information with the American people, his indictment for espionage could reveal or confirm the U.S. government views you and me as the enemy. Food for thought from Ron Paul. Now, um, let's get to the con-con thing. Well, I'm a member of the John Birch Society, as some of you know, and I will list you some things that arguments down to eight simple questions. Does the Congress or the administration follow the Constitution now? Oh, hell no. If changes were made for the better, why would they follow that, especially when it takes less to get a vote to balance a budget a simple majority versus two-thirds. <laughs> well, they're not going to follow it. Do you believe that no matter how the convention was held, governors or elected appointed delegates, that those in control would rise to the level of such men as George Washington and Madison? Oh, hell no. Do you believe that no matter what the means to convene the convention, that a sizable contingent of delegates would be at the level of Gore Obama? Oh, yes. Ask yourself, if now we are not electing constitutionalists to to office from our area, what makes anyone think we will send constitutionalists to any money, uh, any meeting? Uh, We won't. Do you want a balanced budget? Are you willing to pay for it? And is the Constitution flawed? No, it's not. As far as the balanced budget, am I willing to pay for it? Well, I don't know. I stand with Rand, so um, I guess, you know. We desire a balanced budget. However, there can be no balanced budget if it does not bring into the equation the downsizing of the size and services of the government. And that does not include social services such as Social Security. An amendment is worthless as a balancing factor. So, thank God Idaho voted it down. (laughs) And there was two other states, I think Virginia and someone else. So um, they won't be joining, at the moment anyway, this mass stampede to have the con-con, which in my opinion is nothing but a con. <laughs> well, um, you might be right. I mean, in other words, it, it's still a stretch. I mean, to, to actually have a constitutional convention, you know, 28 states for a balanced budget is pretty close, but it, it, still, it still takes six more. And, and states have rescinded 
uh, you know, had passed it and then rescinded it. So it's not a sure thing by any means. Uh, and, you know, and if, if we do, the only way to have a balance, to, to achieve a balanced budget is to cut back. There's no question about it. We've got to cut back because, I mean, well, good. we're, we're not paying for what we're that. doing. We have, to, we have to cut back somehow or other. That's the point of a balanced budget. It forces Congress to set priorities and just how we're going to cut back. You, you, the members of Congress have to decide. I mean, they have to set priorities. And, and, and you know, it, the deficits are so huge that it would be, it's going to be very difficult to do that. And, um, but we're going to have to shrink government in some way or other. I mean, maybe give things back to the states. You know, for, that'd be uh, you know one uh, you know logical way to do it. But one one how somehow or another we're going to have to cut way back because that's exactly what we're doing now. We're we're spending far more than than we you know than the taxes that we have to 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 to, to work with. So um, so anyway, actually, uh, that brings me to a point. Um, that if we had a flat tax, it, that would bring in more money. If everybody had to just pay a flat tax, well, ten percent say or eight percent or something, it would actually right. bring in more money. It, well, it could and nobody yeah, could it, nobody yeah. could write anything off. That's true. But think of the money you could save not going and having your taxes done and all the paperwork and the headache. Yeah, right. Okay. Well, okay. <laughs> sure, no flat tax. That, that's you know that's something out there. Uh, you know I don't. Personally, su- support a flat tax, but that's one way of modifying the income tax to to make it simpler, for sure. Uh, you know, the problem with the flat tax is that it's it's regressive. Um, you know, the people who make more money, who are very very wealthy, you know, they should pay a higher percentage. It seems to me um, because they can afford to, and, and we need the money. And, and uh, so, um, you know, I'm not personally in favor of a flat tax, but you know, I, I think a consumption tax it w- would be a, a very good idea. You, you know, to go to go to, uh, to move away from an income tax and go to a consumption tax. That, that, that's an excellent idea. Um, because anything's least, an improvement. <laughs> right, right. So anyhow, those are my thoughts, and I gotcha. hope that you enjoyed the Ron Paul thing. <laughs> you and I are the enemy. <laughs> I loved it. <laughs> yeah, it, it's truthful. It's truthful. Anyway, good luck to your guest, and I uh, hope I didn't insult him. <laughs> oh no, not, not at all. No, no. Um, well, listen, Robert, I'm 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 actually going to uh, sign off if that's okay. Um, at this point. Oh yeah, that's fine. I just uh, yeah, I, I want to apologize to John. Uh, that was the. Uh, I know you wanted to come in and, and chime in, and uh, John, I apologize for that. But you know, we, you, and I do appreciate you staying the the extra hour with us. Uh, we certainly like to get you back in the show, both about the campaign and a lot of other the different uh, topics oh. that we. No, for uh, sure, Robert. No, for sure, for sure. And, I mean, I I'll have, I'm happy to come back. I, how, how often does your show uh, uh, air? Is it t- twice a week or? Right now we week? are. Right now we it's a it's a weekly show. Uh, I yeah. do uh, on occasion do special editions. Uh, usually, like on a Fridays or, or things of that nature. Uh, you know, at some point, I'd have to like to, you know, expand the times. But this is, you know, getting you know guests yourself on things of that nature. Uh, we, you know, we do the, the special shows on, you know, or the regular shows, I should say, uh, on Wednesday evenings is when we do most right, of them. Right. Right. Okay. Well, listen. Just let me know. I'll be happy to come back on any time. And I've enjoyed it very much. And, I, and don't worry about <laughs> people. You know, offending me or anything. You know, you get you get used to that. If you're going to be a candidate, you know, people are going to say what they think, and so you know, you, that's you, true. You don't worry about that. So yeah, okay. Sir, well, I have okay. called my governor Butch Otter and co- told 
called him even an idiot. So trust me, I'm not. No, I wasn't. Oh, I, I know, but that, and, that's, and, and people do that. But uh, well, there, well, there, there's a point where you know you could say things that you know where you disagree with them, but you don't you, you don't insult you don't insult folks. I mean, yeah, lose, I know what happens, and I know you guys have to have a thick skin uh, and have to deal with that that sort of stuff. But I certainly don't want you to have to. I have to deal with that on the show, but I do appreciate you coming on. Yes, you're definitely welcome to come back and uh, and, and discuss you know the, the different topics we we had tonight. Okay, well you just just let me know when you want to do that, Robert. So, all right, okay. we'll we'll do, we'll do. Will you okay. take care and uh, we'll we'll talk again. Okay. Good night. Thanks, Good night. Jack. Good night. And let's go ahead and bring in John with my deepest apologies, John. I'm so sorry. I was uh, probably shouldn't have let Tune in earlier. I had no idea. Uh, that he was going to try to hijack the show uh, and and go off in a, in, on a tangent. Uh, when I did the green room, I literally just looked into the uh, – just get their name and their uh, – you know, and where they're from, and I don't really, you know, ask them, so what do you want to talk about? Like I know they do on other shows, uh, but that's because, you know, we don't disallow anyone to come on. And I didn't, and I didn't knock him off either. I mean, that didn't sound right. Uh, and I didn't cut off his mic. I mean, I did cut off his mic. I didn't, like, delete him. I can hang up on people, which I did not do. Uh, well, I guess when I cut his mic off, I was going to give him the opportunity to be civil, uh, but I guess he wasn't going to take that opportunity. Uh, and I tried to explain that, but I guess he hung up prior to me getting the opportunity to do that. Uh, but I do want to uh, – no, it looks like Susan is here, but Susan. But I, I apologize, John. I should, I should have got your, yourself in, but – uh, I want to be able to get you know get him in because I did accidentally I did accidentally hang up on him I think uh, the first time because uh, I was just scrolling up in our and and uh, the, the thing I've got here I uh, scrolled up and I think it got uh, we got disconnected there so I uh, but that's why I want to to bring him back in you know because I accidentally did that but uh, I apologize John but we will have uh, him back on the show I'm sure as you heard. Uh, and so they'll they'll give you an opportunity. I'll make sure you're you know the first person on uh, to get to talk with them. So John, you Jack, have the floor. Come back, Jack. You ever see that show, <laughs> Shane? Shane. Oh yeah, I back, love that. Shane. I love that show. You know, I don't care what anyone says. He didn't. He when he when he walks away, he's not dead on that horse. He's just injured. So I don't care what anybody right. says. <laughs> go, <laughs> go ahead. I love that movie. Uh-huh. Go ahead. Yeah, did Jack know you you went for a whole nother hour? What, what, go Hello? ahead, John. I'm here. I said, did Jack know that you go for a whole nother hour? He could have stayed. Oh, he knows. He just had to get it. He just had to get up in the morning. He had. He he, he was only gonna. Well, uh, he he was only gonna. He was only gonna stay on for an hour. And you know, guests do this a lot when they get on the show. They end up staying longer. But he ended up staying twice as long as he said he was going to. So instead oh. of staying on for one hour, he stayed on for two. And, you know, and for him, it's yeah. 11 o'clock in the evening. And, you know, he's, he's probably he's, – he says, I go to bed at 10. He goes, so I'll, I'll only be able to do an hour. And he, he, he did give us another hour. But then he said he, ha- he had to go. Uh, so, so I was trying to squeeze it in. And to be honest, if I, if I didn't let Tone in, I probably could have gotten you in to talk with him a little bit. That's why I feel horrible about it. I love the organic nature of your show, Robert. And I, I didn't see what the tone or whatever he said. He just said that he didn't think the guy was unfit to be in office. To me, that's not really 
being rude or nothing. He's just telling you his opinion. Because, I mean, if 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 uh, John McCain was on this show, I'd tell him, hey, I don't think you're Well, it's the tone. Out. It wasn't the words. No, but it, wa- it wasn't the words. It wasn't It oh, wasn't okay. the words. It was It was the tone he used. Well, you know, I mean, yeah, he said that, but it was the way it was the way in which he was speaking, not what he actually said. Go ahead. Now, um, I hope the the tone and Linda. He was being condescending. I, I I don't like condescension. Go ahead. I hope I hope that all the different voices come back because we I personally think that it actually helps us be better at communicating and fleshing out the issues. Because most anybody that's been listening to this show for very long, we know we have a considerable number of conservative people. But, like, in different aspects, we're not all the same. We don't have anybody hardly at all on the left or, you know, like I've always said, we need people from the Ku Klux Klan and the people from the Black Panthers and the, you know, Black Lives Matter group all talking together because we're all in this together. And if we don't really, truly allow each other to decide for ourselves, self-governing as free people, the only option we leave is to kill each other. And it's, that's the problem. Psychologically, we are in an information psychological warfare period. It's like all of the issues that we were talking, uh, that was discussed this evening, all boils back down to the fact that, hey, what do you define and define as the rule of law and the rule of man. Because he he even said himself that he thought the Constitution was kind of, you know, out of date, you know, for today's times. And then, you know, Kelly and a few other people continued to talk about different aspects of the Constitution, and then he gave lip service to those conversations. And I'm not saying lip service in a negative way. I'm, I guess I should say he addressed them as he felt most necessary to address them at that time well that's what most of the politicians do today so i'm like going well hey how if we don't really flesh out these issues and make sense of the true reality that hey we're all either going to be able to accept your sent to work together or somebody's going to be relegated as a slave because if you are not deciding for yourself your burdens and encumbrances, and we continue to allow politicians to, or even people running for office that they can just say what they want on the campaign trail, get into office, and then continue to just run roughshod over us, then you're just going to see us repeat history. Every empire in the history of existence has come to that same point after two or 400, depending on what empire you're referring to. That after that, so many years, they realized, Oh, the elite establishment people, aristocracy or whatever, have been basically running our country as a kleptocracy for themselves, exclusively governing to themselves, and we've all been screwed and left out, and then everything falls apart. Everyone throughout history never changed, ever. I've never heard of it ever changing. And so it's like, the just like you or any of us, we don't like bullies. We don't like people pushing us around and dictating to us. But our system has been working where we just elect dictator after dictator, and people just keep putting up with it. But little by little, it's 
boiling in the bottom of the pot and why other people can't see it and I have to be the messenger, I'm, I'm just like, come on, people, you're not this stupid, and I don't know why you can't see it. But if you don't understand it and don't start thinking about it and seeing it, it's going to hit suddenly, and it's going to happen so fast that we won't be able to patch this thing up. It's going to blow up like nobody's business, and this it will be a third-world country in a matter of a week. And so my point is, psychologically, are we going to learn to communicate with each other and be cordial and actually do some deliberations and discussions based on the real true root of what the rule of law is as opposed to this rule of man deceitfully masquerading as the rule of law, you know, under the color of law, screwing everybody over. And so Linda and Tone and um, anybody out there, you can hear my voice, you know, um, Kelly, everybody. We need to try to make sure that we're listening to each other and actually caring enough about each other to give each other the same dignified respect to decide for ourselves our burdens and encumbrances of self-governing because you don't like bullies. And right now we have government-sanctioned or bullying, government-sanctioned theft, government-sanctioned racketeering, government-sanctioned embezzlement, and most Americans seem to just be oblivious Psychologically, they just can't make the connection. They don't know what extrinsic fraud, I guess, means. Get your law dictionary out. Get it orange, valentines, blacks. You know, they don't know what fraudulent misrepresentation means, I guess. I don't know. But most people I do know, I think they're very intelligent. But for whatever reason, they don't want to focus on some of these things, which are the foundation of how people actually work together in order to create a society based on the rule of law. And as long as we continue to not understand those things or don't care to understand them, then we're just allowing it to fall apart. And we keep being distracted with all this other stuff. You know? Because, I mean, we talk about how there's a miscarriage of justice and there's obstruction of justice. Some people want to say Trump, you know, was the one. Other people say, you know, somebody else was. Well, gee whiz, whenever you have a whole group of people, and I'm actually talking about the Russia investigation at this point, where, you know, we have to ask the question, what's the probable cause and who are the actual witnesses to that? You can't just stir up hearsay and say that's evidence and that's fact. That doesn't give you a right to get a warrant to, you know, go in and, and just do investigative research and define do what they call, you know, fishing expedition, because that's what they did basically from what I can tell. But there may be other details that other people know about that they can prove beyond a reasonable doubt that there is evidence to justify what they did. But I don't see that. I see we're not we're perverting justice, perverting the rule of law. The the, the poison, you know fruit of the poisonous tree doctrine was thrown under the bus and the illegal questioning and illegal investigation on Manafort from the get-go, and that crony crooked stuff right there, and I could be wrong, but we need to get to the point of understanding what the rule of, how the rule of law works and not just giving lip service to it. And if he doesn't like the Constitution or he thinks it needs to be fixed, which, you know, I've said on this show myself, I think it was flawed from the beginning on purpose. Because the plantation owners that had slaves and whatnot at that point, they 
felt that they probably, I'm just speculating, you know, like always, this is just my objective analytical perspective trying to reason with what I understand. And, you know, I'm myopic in the sense that I can't see all things. So you guys get to help educate me and bring me up to speed. But back in the 1770s, whenever the plantation owners had slaves and they were working and doing the things the way they were doing it, the, the founding freedom fighters that were putting together the uh, Constitution and whatnot, they figured, hey, you know what? We got to at least get this thing a foundation to work off of. Otherwise, we're not even going to get a country started. And so they were willing to make amends, you know, to certain people and then put in Article 5 so there could be a, um, adjustments to the Constitution down the road. But then the over time, I don't know, I wasn't living during the 1770s and 1800s and whatnot, but it seemed to me that maybe at that point in time there was more respect for your fellow man to self-govern because you just went through a war that you had to depend on him because that's those people like Dr. Tolbert, whenever they went to Vietnam, a lot of the point men and the sergeants and stuff didn't make it home. That's because they done PO'd their, their um, infantry foot soldiers when they were back at home, and when they went to war, the infantry foot soldiers shot them in the back of the head while they were in war so they could blame it on the Viet Cong and other people because they didn't like that sorry specky, you know what, because he tricked them and he was playing a bully and pushing them around. And now we're repeating the same old nonsense again and again. But anyway, I wish Jack would have been able to stay here so I could have asked him those questions. Because if we don't psychologically get back to really caring about each other and allowing each other to have the same respect of deciding for ourselves our burdens and encumbrances and break government-sanctioned embezzlement and, and government-sanctioned assault on our lives, then you're just you're just asking for a royal riot beyond compare that we've never seen in the foundations or since the founding of our country. Back to you, Robert. And, and, well, and yeah, and, he's, and he, as you heard, yeah, he said he you know he'll be back on the show. So, and I'm I'm pretty confident that he'll do that. We'll um, you know, it, it may be some weeks. We you know are, are getting some some folks you know. A uh, book for the you know the the, on, the oncoming weeks and, and different topics, but uh, let's go ahead. We've got about uh, about forty minutes left. Yeah, go ahead. Um, I, I forgot while I was talking that um, you know we, we've been talking about this shadow government stuff, and it was supposedly being figured out that the Obama administration had to do, something to do with it. Well, the ACLJ dot org. ACLJ.org, they have a petition that they're working on demanding the truth and accountability to stop the shadow government stuff with the FBI and the Obama administration and the DOJ and all that corruption. And that's ACLJ.org, or you can reach them at 877-989-2255. Back to you. Yeah, so now as I can mention, next, uh, next week we will have uh, Robert McNeil, who is running for Senate in Texas. And he's running actually as uh, an alternate uh, party, the American Citizen Party. So it'll be interesting to hear from him uh, next week. Uh, and he's running there in Texas, of course. So one of his opponents will be uh, Cruz. And so we'll, we'll talk more about that. And, and so let's go ahead. And I, I know, Kelly, you want uh, to chime in on some things. Uh, some recap, and but let's go ahead first and bring in Joseph 
uh, you know, wow, Joseph, there's <laughs> a lot. And uh, perhaps if you wanted the opportunity to respond, I know uh, Tony isn't with us, maybe he'll listen to the podcast. Somehow, to be honest, I doubt it. Um, but I really wish he would have stayed on. I just muted his mic uh, because he just st- started to sound like he's going on a little tirade. Again, you know, as I said, he's, he's open for, you know, to say what he wants to say. But, I mean, well, perhaps it was just me. I mean, did he seem like he had a, a condescending tone to him? I mean, that's that's what I was reading. What do you, what do you think, uh, Jason? Um, I think he was one of those callers who wanted his uh, two minutes of fame and uh, didn't have any real intentions of having a logical, uh, common-sense uh, civil debate. He, uh, I could tell by his aggressive tone and demeanor um and uh basically that's what that's what you get on msnbc and cnn and um i heard what john had to say and i agree with john wholeheartedly first of all john is a is a is a breath of fresh air on the show i love his input and his insight and um you know i agree we need different perspectives on the show and I've been uh, a long-time listener and participant to the show, and you've always been very, very tolerant of allowing different views on this show. But at the same time, what I love about your show is you don't turn your show into the view, where, yeah, people will come and say what they want to say, but if they're going to lack respect and civility, then we might as well not just call it Bard's Logic. We might as well call it Bard's Logic and Joy Behar in the view. So that is the problem, you know, and, and, and that's why politics in today's age and, and Robert, you, you, you reiterate this uh, week after week is so toxic is because you have uh, too many news outlets that embrace people like tone and that make it a culture of mentality that, Oh, you you can say what you want to say and it doesn't matter how you say it. And that is the problem, and that's why politics is so toxic, because you have one side that embraces uh, being barbaric, being uncivil, saying what you want to say without any consequences, without uh, any uh, care about the sensitivities of others, especially when you have a candidate on the show. And then you have another faction, such as myself, who says, whatever happened to having a rigorous, uh, intelligent uh, debate, but one with civility and decorum. Whatever happened to that? Is that dead? And, and I wonder because, you know, you turn on every news outlet and it's as if almost every news outlet embraces that. They want that. They want people to stir the pot. They want people to call in and not have a healthy discourse and debate uh, they want people to come in and light the fire. Uh, and that's how they, uh, you know, uh, further their propaganda. And they do that so that the conversation always stays one-sided. And so I totally think you handled it uh, like the scholar and gentleman that you are. And, I you know, it. Thank you. No, I mean it. And uh, I think Tom would be great, a great, great candidate to go on The View or MSNBC. He may <laughs> want to try to those outlets. And it'd be great. They'll love him. They'll love him. But what I love about this show is John hit the nail on the head. 
everyone has a different perspective. And we're mostly conservatives in, in different aspects. Um, but, um, and, I, and I completely agree with that. We are. Uh, he hit the nail on the head on that. Uh, but one thing I notice is week after week, we treat each other with respect and civility and decorum, and we bring back dignity to the political discourse. And that's what I love about this show. And people can compare any other different show, and I could care less, because we're on Bard's Logic. We're not on any other show. We're on this show, because we want to be on this show. And I like that we have mutual respect for each other, despite we, despite us having very, very, very different contrasts, is that we're able to do so in, in, with decorum and civility. And that's the way politics used to be over 100 years ago, but that's not the way it is today. And that's why the moment you start talking about politics, it's like a bunch of vultures are there to, to rip you in pieces. It's like you can't even have a healthy discourse uh, anymore. It no longer exists. Right. And like that on this show, it still is, is, is relevant and alive. And that's why I, I choose to be on this show, um, because I believe in civility, I believe in decorum, and I believe in respecting other people's viewpoints, but doing so uh, with the utmost respect. Give it back to you, Robert. Well, I appreciate that very much, uh, Joseph, and it's great to have you, you know, every, yourself back on and, and everyone back on the show. And, you know, we're going to be working to try to get, you know, you know, more guests on organizations, things of that nature, uh, week to week, uh, you know, to be on. Have a, And we, we definitely, we, and we always have topics to talk about, uh, but it's good to get different, you know, candidates and, and folks from different organizations to, uh, to talk as well. And, and I'm hoping Linda who was, you know, she said that the staunch Democrat, she, you know, had a respectful tone to her. And I'm hoping she'll be able to, to call back in more to uh, to give that, you know, that perspective. I mean, I do what, you know, want to, you know, at least have that. Cause I don't think she, you know, she'd get nasty with, with people and things of that nature, like, like she did with our, our guest tonight. I don't think she got nasty uh, with him at all. And so let's go ahead and bring it back over to, to you, Kelly. Uh, you want to do some, some discussion, some wrap up things and, uh, we, we've still got some time, and then for you know other things we're gonna, we were going to discuss tonight too. Not a lot, but we still have some time. Uh, and as you mentioned, I think John, the organic nature of the show, and I think that's you know I, I kind of you know there was a time where I tried to you know push the show in a, in a certain direction, but then after a while, it's like you know I'm just going to let it take the, the direction that it takes. I'm just going to let it you know morph into whatever Bard's logic you know, ends up becoming. And I really appreciate uh, where, where it's you know it's at. Of course, we always want to, you know, you know, move on to go go more. We've been doing it for five years, and um, well, I can't believe it's been that long. It really doesn't feel like it, uh, to be honest. Um, but of course, it's, it's you folks uh, who definitely are making a great show, and I really appreciate it. But uh, go ahead, uh, I'm gonna get off my soapbox and <laughs> bring it back over to you, uh, Kelly. Thank you. Well, yeah, um, I wanted to talk about four states doing gun control laws after the Florida incident, but I did want to comment. Yeah, I think, Robert, you handled that okay, and you kind of, you kind of got flanked by that. And I suppose one way to handle people like that is, what is your question for our guest? What is your question for our guest? What is our 
the way I asked questions, you know, Rand Paul, uh, Constitutional Amendment, Ninth and Tenth Amendment. Uh, it, it was my my goal was to help this guy potentially get elected, or even just kind of um, ask questions, test him, compliment him on his correct answer on the Tenth Amendment. But I, I was thinking about the candidates. It's about them. And I'm I'm assuming Robert that you vetted him enough to get him on your show that. I mean, Obviously, uh, you don't want a jihadist socialist on the show, but obviously you vetted him, and I was trusting you, and therefore I took that attitude of asking questions to make him shine because he can splash us all over the web and can really help him get elected. So I encourage other uh, guest panelists and others to really um, just ask questions to help the candidate because Robert puts a lot of work into getting them on the air. But I wanted to go ahead and talk about the four states – USA Today, when risk extreme, they say, four states let courts take guns. Now, this is interesting, okay? Four states, we'll get to those four states. Um, Florida shooting, I want to get people's thoughts on this, okay? I'm just going to introduce this, summarize this story. Um, The Florida shooting rampage rekindled interest in legislation that would allow a judge to order authorities to remove guns from a threatening person or prevent a gun sale if a police officer or relative makes the request. Four states have adopted the measures called extreme risk protection orders. And it's or, and they're trying to get Congress to encourage the states to do this. All right, Connecticut has the this option in place. And it's an emergency court order, but it didn't do anything to prevent Sandy Hook. So they had this in place before Sandy Hook. So the four states are uh, with court orders uh, for what what is considered an extreme risk person, which is, you know, he's mental, he's angry, he's been abusing dogs um, or animals, he's abusive, and even some states discusses uh, a um, mental physician or a therapist can do this too. But the four states are uh, Connecticut, California, Washington, and Oregon. And again, they go to the judge. Well, of course, the person accused has to have his day in court, too. But California is surprising. It's only 21 days. Maybe call it a cool-off period. Um, so it's interesting. And, of course, the gun grabbers are saying, yeah, we should do this and provide require accountability from our government officials. But, yeah, Connecticut did this in 99. And uh, <clears throat> this in response to somebody who killed some coworkers. And... Um, in Connecticut, the police gain a warrant from a judge, so they don't necessarily have to have a hearing with the accused. And then we go into um, – they've had literally hundreds of these cases. Yeah, gun removals in 762 cases since the law was passed in 1999. 762 gun grabs uh, from a, a judicial warrant versus a hearing, like in California there's a hearing. Washington state voters adopted this in 2016 by a statewide initiative. Um, Of course, Dianne Feinstein, uh, our beloved senator, um, (laughs) she's like, yeah, uh, there should be federal grants from the federal government government to uh, send to the states so they can go ahead and write this legislation. What? The states can write their own legislation, you idiot. Why is there federal money needed to... All right, so anyway, 
but yeah, it's 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 an interesting perspective because you know if you have a friend or a family member is talking about killing somebody, I mean this is a level of of protection against um you know like what was it forty seven in Florida that got killed. So it's an interesting level of protection. You've got a friend or a family member. Um, he's he's talking about killing people, and he's got guns. Do you go to a judge and get a warrant, or do you go to a judge and have a day in court, and then you grab his guns, um, so that these these mass shootings would potentially stop, assuming a family member or friend intervenes. So interesting legislation in four states right now. What what are people's thoughts on this? And we'll go ahead and uh, bring it to yourself, John, and then uh, to Joseph, and then I'll make some comments. Go ahead. Oh, sure. Hello? Um, hello, John? Go ahead, John. Oh, I, I didn't know whose order was supposed to go first. So oh, we go to, yeah, go, uh, yeah, uh, John and then your, yourself, Joseph, and then I will. Okay. Okay. Um, that was uh, some interesting uh, insight. Uh, I was not aware um, that that uh, that USA uh, reported that pertaining to those four states. Um, so, yeah, you learn something new every day. Um, I don't know what your views are on that, but uh, what I what I what I've heard ever since this um, tragedy and kind of like the same boiling talking points of what I hear after uh, what, what I've heard after similar tragedies is that everyone wants to uh, automatically restrict the gun and the gun is the problem. When all the stats show, for example, New York, uh, Los Angeles, and Chicago are the three cities with the most stringent gun laws, and yet they have the highest, they had the highest death rate last year, those three cities. Uh, Then you have the states such as Texas and Arizona, which have the uh, law in which you can carry and conceal, but yet they have the lowest uh, gun rate fatalities. And so um, then you have more people saying, well, we need to, uh, you know, implement legislation that is going to, you know, um, provide stronger background checks uh, in doing gun sales, but we, this is all the same talking points that I've been hearing for years. It's, it's not something I haven't heard new. And so I'm hoping to hear something bold, innovative, and different, but most importantly, let's, let's address the issue. The mainstream media will always keep the narrative alive that the gun is the problem, but the stats just don't back that because if that were the case, I, I challenge anyone, and I don't mean I'm not talking about anyone specifically on the show. I mean anyone in general to tell me how they can logically rebut that. If New York, L.A., and Chicago last year had the most fatalities by guns and they have the stringent gun laws, one of the most stringent gun laws, explain to me how the gun is the problem in other states such as Texas and Arizona that has one of the laxest gun laws and has the least, uh, you know, gun fatalities. I challenge anyone 
to have a logical debate with me and back that up with, with facts and not opinions uh, and, and tell me how that logically falls into their equation. And, and that's basically where I leave it, Robert. That's my frustration with this uh, whole gun debate. It's the same talking points every time a tragedy occurs, but the needle on the ball doesn't move in the right direction. And everyone wants to blame the, uh, the root of the problem. Uh, they want to give a scapegoat or they, they, they want to blame that the root of the problem stems from, you know, A, B, C, D, and E, but that's, the stats just don't back it up, Robert, and, and that's all I have to say on that issue. Well, well, Joe, let me ask you a question, just more specifically, okay? What do you sure. think about the idea of somebody knows somebody's crazy and is talking about killing a bunch of people? Do you think they should go ahead and get a judicial warrant to remove the guns? Could you repeat that one more time? I apologize. Okay. I'm summarizing what these states are passing, but as a preventative measure, you have a friend that has got guns, is talking about killing a bunch of people at work. Would you go to the authorities to, to, get, to get a judicial warrant to remove his guns to potentially save somebody's life? No, no, and I'll tell you why. Because there are so many false allegations that are made all of the time. And if I don't have valid evidence that I know that's the case, then I wouldn't be able to do that. So to be on the safe side, what I definitely would do is I definitely would pick up the phone and call the FBI in my state and report it. Because at the end of the day, let's say John Doe can tell me, Hey, Joe, you know, the guy in an apartment 1489 has five guns. I don't know that that's true. So I don't think I'm going to take those steps. But what I would do is I would report what I hear and leave it to the authorities to take care of it. But the problem is the FBI failed in doing that job. You see, the proper protocol was followed. You know, uh, people, many people came and reported, uh, you know, uh, about the things that they not only Nicholas said, but that they saw. And in this one case, out of all the different shootings, the one difference that this shooting has is that the FBI, of all people, had this information, multiple calls pertaining to this guy, and absolutely did nothing with it, which is right. the major contrast between this and any and the other previous shootings. So, right. Well, I mean, well, well yeah. I, well, you have a point. You have a point that I wanted to see if people got that a malicious witness or a false claim. Next thing you know, your guns are gone. It could be abused. Exactly. I agree. Hundred percent. Yeah. Okay. 100%. Interesting. All right. Because so so many people are falsely imprisoned. <sighs> Due to false allegations, it happens all the time. Uh, and, you know, you had some people who were falsely accused and on death row for 20 years until DNA uh, exonerated them. So I completely agree with you. If we were just to uh, go based on what the next door neighbor is saying and take drastic steps in jumping the gun, 
uh, almost everyone would be locked up at that point. Um, you know, you just can't go based on what someone is saying, even if you want to believe it. You have to have evidence, and if you don't have evidence, the second best thing you can do is call the authorities and hope that they have a brain like the FBI in Florida <laughs> and that they'll act on it. But, but I'm 100% with you on that. I, I agree. If that were the case, all our guns would be removed. If we were just to go based on a person's word, forget it. We'd have no rights whatsoever. We'd have every leftist want to strip away the Constitution on the basis of what John Doe said. Wow. Very well said. Well, let's hear John's thoughts. <laughs> let's, let's hear John's thoughts on this. I thought, yeah, John, I thought you were joking. Was I thought you meant John Doe. I apologize. I didn't know if you meant. Oh, no, 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 no. I, I, I asked. I asked. So I'm just getting the conversation out there. That was really good. I like. I like. You know, I really like what you add to the show. By the way, Joe, you you, you got a really good temperament. Thank you. Likewise. Is John there, or Cindy, or Susan, or? Yeah, I'm well, I, yeah, Susan. Yeah, Susan had to go to the evening. And then Cindy, I don't know what happened to Cindy. I, sometimes she, we love her dearly, uh, but sometimes she accidentally hangs herself up. <laughs> so I think that might have happened tonight. Uh, I did send her a message, but uh, I have not heard a response. But and it's, it's, just, it's just the guys now, so and we're in bars watching after dark. I'm just kidding, guys. Uh, go ahead, John. <laughs> yeah, well, definitely all of these issues, it seems to me we always just surface level talk about them. From a psychological standpoint, I see a whole lot of issues because every one of us has our own definition of what we think is crazy. To me, every single congressman and senator and president or bully, you know, whether it be a a boss or or your um, teacher at school or whatnot, that they want to use that position of authority to be dictator in charge. And so we have... All these corporations and special interest people that's got some kind of connection and some level of authority and leadership with our government, they go out and say, hey, we're going to put together this new um, doctorate degree on psychiatry and stuff. Where in the world can they ever say what's normal and what's not normal? God's the only one that really knows what's normal and what's not normal. You and me have a subjective or objective opinion of what who we think are crazy based on our own biases. So therefore, who gets to decide? My values, principles, ethics, and morals apply to me. Now, if I try to push them onto you, you're going to be mad, and you're going to try to tell me to mind my own business and get off my back. But for some reason, we do that to each other all the time. I believe in live and let live. And then by having people that totally disagree with me, whether it be, you know, Ku Klux Klan or Black Lives Matter, um, Black Panthers or anybody on this call, in our discussions, in our deliberations, we get to find out more about how to work with each other. Because governing is about what we can come to agree on as the rules of how we're going to hold ourselves accountable to those rules. Because any time you have a group, whether it be oligarchy or any other group, that gets to decide your burdens and encumbrances, they've automatically elevated themselves to more knowledgeable. 
Well, have you ever tried to have a conversation with your three-year-old or your seven-year-old? They change because as you communicate with them and as they grow older, they get a better means to be able to comprehend the conversation at a different level than they automatically change. The same things happen to us right now throughout the last year of this um, show every Wednesday night. We all come together and talk and talk and talk and whatnot. But, the, but for some reason, some of us continue to think our ideas are better than the others. That's why when you ask me about things and I say mutual assent, and you say, well, how can you do that and stuff? And I always start saying, well, it takes all of us to work it together because my ideas are not superior to yours because yours define your pursuit of happiness. And mine don't, pers- don't define your pursuit of happiness. But if mine... If mine denies you the opportunity to your pursuit of happiness, then I'm just, you know, forcing it on you. Well, now you've been deprived of the rule of law. But most people don't understand that, so therefore they just go along with the people that convince them psychologically that they know better, and uh, they end up being legislative slaves. Does that make sense, or do I need to better explain myself? Yeah, it, it it makes sense because, well... From what you're saying, uh, mental health professional or somebody deem you crazy, um, okay, you can have false well, delegations. Can, but there's something the interesting, example. really interesting here. Well, hold on here. The, there's something interesting. Real quick, cause you just Carl, we're okay. pressing out of time, guys. Let me, let me remind you, not even within this last week, there was a journalist that called President, Vice President Pence crazy because – Pence said that God spoke to him or made some implication that God spoke to him. So right, that was actually on the view, I think. <laughs> somebody from the view, I think, said that. Yeah, somebody said that, and I'm like going, so do you want somebody else, whether they're a psychologist or a psychiatrist or anybody else, trying to tell you that you, if you ever went to church in your life, you're crazy, so therefore now you automatically go to an institution. Because today, it's one small step. <laughs> Next year or the year after that, it's a giant leap for mankind. Right, right, right. Well, here, here's, here's where, this, is, this is where this gets real interesting, okay? Of course, in divorce, I told my attorney once, my ex is crazy. He says, are you a licensed psychologist? I said, no. Then you can't make that determination. Now Trump, there's a psychologist. At least not legally. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I lived or lived with her longer than his therapist ever would, but you know. But um, a psychologist has deemed Trump is crazy. Really? Did you have him in your office? Did you take him through the M- Minnesota MMPI test? Did you ask him a bunch of questions? No, you didn't. You just said he's crazy. Oh, political but agenda no, there. Who, who deemed the psychologist fit to judge Trump? Well, most psychologists go to uh, into psychology because they're a freaking mess mentally. All right, so uh, well, let's not say that. Here, cause, let's not go there because my daughter wants to be a child psychologist. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe because she's one of the healthy ones, like Larry Crabb. All right, now when you throw in the Fourth Amendment, this is where it gets interesting, and they have a foothold, and four states passed it. Fourth Amendment. People have the right to be secure in their person's property and effect except under judicial warrant signed by oath and aff- affirmation or basically a signed statement. The founding fathers left a lot of the decisions 
up to the judges, and they can issue a warrant, and they do daily. Okay? So, that is a foothold into the system. However, yes, the potential for abuse by some uh, gun-grabbing psychologist saying, oh, ten of my neighbors are nutcases, judge, and take their guns. And you get a liberal judge, and sure enough, guns are getting grabbed all around the psychologist. So yes, it has potential for abuse, but define crazy, define mental illness, define, you know, and then the judge, you know, to be fair, you'd probably have to have a hearing, and of course it would make a guy think twice, oh gosh, we're looking at it. So that would be a good thing to have a hearing. Dude, we're concerned you're crazy, you're going to kill people. Uh, uh, he's going to be straightened up right now because he's going to think twice before shooting 10, 15 people at work. So that would have a positive thing for gun grab, but yet the potential for abuse is still there. So it's a fascinating, interesting, not easy to, you know, and it might save 100 lives when it was a legitimate crazy person that was fantasizing for months how to kill 100 people at work. So, yeah, it's it's not easy. It's tricky. Look what they did to... Um, uh you know, American statesman Sally's friend, Miriam Lancaster, they gave guardianship to the darn organization, and they just ran rough shot over the whole family, not just Miriam. Well, yeah, CPS has all sorts of abuse stories. I, I get that. But, and it's the yeah, same I just, principle. They have, these, they have these degreed professionals, supposedly psychiatrists, as if, you know, somebody was able to be wise enough to say that the, they know the metrics and the, you know, mnemonics or whatever criteria that makes up a correct psychiatrist. I'm like, no, that's just an oligarchy of crooks that want to use that as a mechanism to bind everybody else in some form of slavery. Because that's the same thing they're doing on some of our soldiers coming back from war with PTSD. They say, oh, he's not fit to be able, because they put him on these psychotropic drugs, and then they say he's not fit to be able to manage his own finances. So they've appointed a doggone state guardian over him and then run him in the ground for all the money they can get. It's ridiculous. It's a scam. Why do you, th- why do, why do you think the Obama administration had in the military, on, on, when they checked out, you know, honorably discharged, they go through a psych- psychological exam, and so many of them that probably didn't have PTSD did have it, so they can't have guns. I mean, it's kind of an interesting. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, I mean, that's just no accident. Gee, all these vets can't have guns because they're all PTSD because mm. some psychologist was paid a bonus for everyone that was deemed PTSD. When you know, probably, who knows? Some of these psychologists deem ninety percent. Of his clients is PTSD can't have a gun in a few years. So, anyway, let's let's go to somebody else's comments. But none of the psychologists. Are, I mean, who gave them the qualifications to judge what's normal and what's not normal? None of us. There is not a single. I don't care how much studying you do. You can you can't take my rights away from me just because you want to call me crazy. Otherwise, that's see that's what's problem with America too, is because a lot of these gun rules or any rules and laws, the more you burden somebody else and take away their freedoms and their liberty and their right to be independent, you make them a criminal. So at some point, well, 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 they have a but, right but, to but defend, John, I mean, to I, defend themselves. 
Whoops, did we lose somebody? No, I, I was no, here. No, I was just, I was just going to say. I mean, you know, of course, you know, they, they study, they get their degrees, they get their licensing, you know, and uh, you know, they go through all this training and things of that nature, and, and then what the law is allowed to happen. Uh, Let's hear Cindy what the law is allowed to happen is, is for these people to have the power to be able to, you know, make those uh, designations and, and it can affect, you know, what you know what your rights are. Well, it's no different than you and me saying that, hey, the Ku Klux Klan are far left, you know, um, whatever they are called, Black Panthers or whatnot, are unfit. I mean, if we don't think that they should have a right to be an equal citizen with freedom and liberty and independence, you know, equal justice under the law, and we we just tell them, no, it's just like that guy that came on earlier and said, you know, he didn't think so and uh, Mr. Jack was fit to be in office. Well, it's our opinion that, you know, he was being rude, I guess. I didn't see it as being rude. But at the same time, if we automatically say he's unfit to participate, then we're saying that we're the judge. And so that means somebody else can judge us as crazy because we just took – Well, I'm going to make this – well, I'm going to make this point real quick, John, and then time has thus escaped us. So it is time for uh, closing comments, and we'll, we'll, we'll do it yourself and then – uh, Kelly, and then we'll end the closing comments with you, Joseph, and then I'll up the closings off. Each each one of you have about a minute. But uh, with that, as, as I stated earlier, it's not necessarily what he said. It's, it's he was becoming very condescending uh, towards you know our guest, and, and frankly even to myself, you know as well. And you know I'm just not going to have that that type of disrespect for for our show. Was it? It wasn't, you know, pretty much what he said. He's right. I mean, he's, he's open to have his opinion, uh, but the way he, sh- in, 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 the way he shrouded it, it just, it, it, it was, it came across, at least for me, uh, as, as disrespectful. And I guess I do take it upon myself to make that, uh, to be the arbiter of that decision on on whether I'm going to mute his mic. And I've muted people's mics in the past where I felt that, you know, they weren't being uh, disrespectful. He's the one who, who hung up the call. Uh, you know, didn't think of the opportunity for me to explain it. I, I muted him, and then he uh, he hung up. So I was like, well, you know, I mean, I didn't what I didn't hang up on you. I just wanted to give a you know a warning, a shot across the bow. Say, hey, look, you know, you know, watch your tone when you're talking to people because while we are open to hear what people's you know thoughts are, and they can say you know you know what's on their mind, you know, that they have to say it with respect to everyone. But anyway, we do only get as I said. Uh, about a minute for everyone to, uh, maybe not even quite a full minute to, to do the closing comments. So let's go ahead, uh, John, with yourself, and then Kelly, and then uh, and you just then I have to close things up tonight. And I want to thank, of course, everyone uh, for coming to the show and looking forward to having everyone back on. We'll have uh, Mr. McNeil on next week. Go ahead. Yeah, I was just pointing that out from the standpoint that I keep seeing all of these um, different talking heads on these news media people that they're saying – oh, we need to block, like uh, Lindsey Graham on one of these conversations, he's saying, oh, block the far-right people out because, you know, the Freedom Caucus, you know, they're not wanting to cooperate. So just ignore them and let's go ahead and vote without the rest of them. I'm like, dude, you know, then you don't even respect the rule of law or the Constitution or the fights that, you know, created the foundation of our country. And I wouldn't bring that up as, you know, to try to stab at you. That was just fresh that we could all relate to. And... The, the point no, I'm trying to make is, yeah, 
the point that I'm trying to make, and I appreciate y'all, I get passionate because, you know, I used to hate politics and didn't want anything to do with it. And the more and more encroaching and more and more encroaching, finally, within the last 10 years or so, I just was like, hey, I got to get involved. This thing is off the chain. They're off the rails on a crazy train. So I just, you know, appreciate what you're doing here, Robert. But at the same time, I do hope we all understand that every legal United States citizen is equal citizen and equally self-governing and equally free and with independence, or we don't have a country. Back to you. Thank you, John. Go ahead, Kelly. <clears throat> well, uh, kind of in a time sequence, I'm glad uh, Jack came and visited us. And team, I would encourage um, <clears throat> to ask questions about him and, where he's at. Some people went on and on about their opinions, but you know, that one caller that was just point blank rude, that's an interesting one, but we can really help um, liberty minded candidates get elected because they can splash their time with us all over the web. And people get to know them in a way that's much better than just these advertisements on the media. So I, I would just encourage the team to keep focusing on them and, that's what I did, and, and hopefully we'll have – well, we have, you know, Bevins was probably one of the things we helped to some degree in being the governor of Kentucky. And so I would encourage the team to think about questions that would draw him out and find out and promote. And then with this these gun laws of judicial order or judicial warrant, the person is mental or not, yes, has uh, potential for abuse, but it's going to come up again, Okay. Gosh, we could devote an entire hour, hour and a half on that topic itself. And I'd love to get Dr. Tolbert, Cindy, and Susan, and other people's input on what they think. Because it's, it's kind of tricky. And uh, so I guess, um, let's see, what, my fifth year doing this or sixth year doing this? I guess I'll be back Wednesday, and uh, I enjoy talking with you all. And uh, back to you, Robert. And I'll bring it over to you, uh, Joseph. No problem. I just want to close by saying I am humbly grateful to live on the greatest country in the world, the land of the free, the home of the brave, the most democratic country in the world. And what's unique about this country is we have a constitution that protects our rights to free speech, uh, but there is different. And what makes America great is we can have a talk show that embraces a certain approach or a certain tone, and we could have other talk shows that choose to go uh, in a different direction or choose to uphold a certain set of rules, and that's what it makes America a true democracy, is that if someone wants to have a talk show and where civility is important and that has to be practiced by everyone who's on it, well, it's a free country, and for those who don't want to practice civility, they can go on The View. There's a venue for everyone, and I'll leave it at that. It's always a pleasure, guys. Look forward to uh, you, speaking with you all next week again. Same time, same sounds place. Sounds great. Sounds great, Joseph. I appreciate it. And uh, I will, of course, uh, end tonight, as I do every night, and that is with that song by Aubrey Ashburn. And you can hear more of her music by going to www.aubreyashburn.com. Thanks again, everyone. Take care, and good night. We're a constitutional republic, not a democracy. Amen to that.